time to add some spice to your nooner. Nooner. <laughs> Funny. This is the place where big-time guests, bold opinions, and little cute doggies come together. This, this is Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome in, Rothman and Ice. We are brought to you by your local Pella Window and Door showroom on Gemini Parkway. Anthony Rothman, Maddie Ice Hayes, and I'm staring right into a CB in his saddle, swimming around in his second aquarium. Ice, I am a fish out of water, even though I'm in another aquarium. Oh, my goodness. And it sounds different. I wish I was there. This is incredible. Do you really? Do you really? Tell the truth. We'll do the tell the truth segment. Instead of a 220, we're doing it right now. Do you truly wish you were back? Of course, man. I absolutely wish I was back. There's a lot of FOMO going down right now, you know, getting ready for the prep meeting. You know, we had the prep meeting, and you're like, all right, I'm I'm making my way down there. Now, within the last 15 minutes, I wish I was in studio with you, messing around with the sound and looking at C be through the glass and doing stuff that we would normally do now i'm just sitting here at the crib in the dark i don't even have any candles lit yet or it's cloudy out so it's dark in the house right now but i'm glad you're down there i'm glad we got a normal ish feel back to our radio show but yeah there's a little fomo going on for your boy right now all right so then they just announced that we're going to do a one-on-one off so I'm going to do this week, you'll do next week, and then I'll come in. So you just you stamped it with your approval, and that's it. You'll you'll come in on the off weeks, and or there is no such thing as an odd week and an even week, but uh, we'll figure it out. I get what you're yeah, saying. I, so here's the deal. So I'm back, you know, everybody knows now, we're back in the studio, some of us. Uh, Matty Ice still on his vacay. But Wait. it is it is weird i'm very jealous in fact if i had the choice i would want to go to your place and do the show mm. you know, that's how we pair up come on in at your place i got room yeah with the candles and everything sure it's very intimate roth yes. nice intimate style but it is very weird when you've when you've been doing something at a certain place for 14 13 months and now i'm back where we did it for years and I can't, and I got to get back on this bike and try to ride. But buttons everywhere, keyboards everywhere, new uh, mice, new keyboards, everything. I don't know what to do. I'm you know, stuck. Man, you're like a crafty vet. You've done this before. We can throw any playbook at you, and you're going to make plays. You absolutely are going to make plays. You'll line us up and get us where we need to go. So it may co- it may take a couple series. You know, we may go three and out on a couple series here early in the game, but eventually you'll get it going, come out strong in the second half, and then we'll rack up the dub, man. No I really, I'm, I'm, I'm worried now. We're in like second and 17 because I still can't. Uh, the way everything is configured and the way your muscle memory is, no. Not going to work, buddy. You're going to have to quarterback us today. I'm, I'm, I'm clipboarding it today. You're, you're the QB. Well, let's get it going. Yeah, let's yeah. get it going. I could take us wherever we need to go. If I need to step in this thing and get a little dual threat action, I can do that. Yeah, I'm all, look, do. I'm a team player, man. Whatever you need me to do, I would feel like I can bring that to the table and help you out. So just take it easy. Take a deep breath. Slow the mind down. Woosah, as Will Smith and Martin Lawrence did in Bad Boy. Just mm. woosah this thing up, and then everything's going to be all right. Everything will be fine. I blame James. James is. The, I blame James for all of this. He doesn't want to, this. He wanted to get out of the house. He wanted to get away from daddy duty, and he wanted. I blame James, and I don't think I'm wrong. I really don't think I'm wrong, and I'm. 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 I'm not even half kidding here. I truly believe the way his unbridled enthusiasm for coming back was not an act. You know, I like to say his act is not having an act, is his act. 
I don't believe that right now. I honestly believe that he pushed for this and got it done, being the face of the station, and that's what happened. That's what look, happened. Look, I don't blame him if that was his mentality yeah. either. Look, you want to admit fella, it, though. You need a breather. Wife. You need a breather every once in a while. You know, they got a deep roster over there at the Lurinaitis household, also mm-hmm. over at the Carpenter household, and a lot of other guys at the station. We got some deep rosters here at the fan within certain four walls of some certain cribs, big cribs, I might add. So if James is in the mindset of, look, man, let me get a little breather. Let me get a little breather, Cersei. Let me go down to the station and just whew, chop it up with Bo. I'm not mad at him for thinking it. It's a, it's a crafty play by 33, that's for sure. All right, so on this show... A lot of time we're coming off the draft, right? And we get so much stuff to talk about with the draft. But you and I do want to work in a little base of ball. And the game that you guys won yesterday was so identity driven for the Reds. Like that was unbelievable. The it's a softball game every time they play. You know what, man? It's this bullpen is going to stress me the heck out. And I'm sure there's a lot of Reds fans that are feeling this too. It's a scary thing. And it's funny. I said the other two weeks ago, the scariest thing to me as a baseball fan is having a shaky bullpen that cannot hold down any type of lead. And when you combine that with the home ballpark that they play in, no lead is safe. And that was on display yesterday. But thank God, the likes of Nick Castellanos and the likes of these other guys in this lineup are who they are because I have a ton of confidence in them. They put up 13 runs yesterday and they needed obviously every single one of them because this bullpen right now is not offering any positives. TJ Antone was the guy. Mm-hmm. He throws out a hiccup yesterday in that game. I'm good with that. He's <laughs> to allowed Ian to have Hap, that. of all it, guys to Ian Hap. Cincinnati kid, right? So I look. That's the problem, and it's a huge problem, and I don't know how they're going to get it fixed because there is nobody in that bullpen right now coming out of that gate that's giving you a ton of confidence. And I know they're trying to get A.G., Amir Garrett, some reps, and maybe he will come back to form to where we've seen him in the past, but that's it. Fireworks in the batter's box for the Reds, fireworks between the Reds and the Cubbies with Javi Baez and all that stuff, which was fun. But this bullpen is an issue, and they've cost the Reds some games this year, and I don't think there's any denying that at this point. So, 9-8, let me, let me just jump right to the seventh. People didn't see it. So, it's 9-8 Reds in the seventh. There's one on, and Tucker Barnhart's up, and he's got a 3-1 pitch. And he's sitting dead right. He's sitting dead right at 3-1, and what does he get? Gets exactly what he asked for. 95 down the middle. Turns it around. Now it's 11-8. Then with two outs, your boy Casty goes to right. What did he get? 95 down the middle. So now it's 12-8, so you're exactly right. You're feeling good. 12-8 in the 7th. Well, now it's 12-9 in the 8th. Two outs, two on. And your boy, Antone, one-two pitch to Ian I-can't-bat-my-weight Hap. The dude that I cut, picked up and then cut again. Hangs one, 82, gone. We're tied at 12-12. Bottom 10, runner at third, nobody out. 3-1 to Casty. Just a... Just... Five infielders. Did you see they brought five in? Oh, I saw Because you had the runner third. And he just reaches out on a little breaking ball and hit it over the middle, over the five-man infield, and there's your ball game. Reds walk it off. Now it's quiz time, Maddie. You love a good Monday quiz, no, right? No, definitely no, no. not on Monday. You love a Monday no. quiz, especially when you know the answer is going in. It's about your own team. At home, at home, the Cincinnati Reds are first in runs, first in average, 
first in home runs, first in OBP, and first in slugging. Here's your quiz. How many runs have they scored at home this year? Total? Yeah. Um, I'll give you a hint. The yeah. second closest team is 89 in Colorado. I'm going to say they have... Can I get like 110? 116. Okay. They're first in average. What are they hitting as a team? They are hitting, I'm going to say, a cool 349. A little high. 292. This okay. is at home. Uh, home runs. How many home runs have they hit? At home? Yeah. Oh, goodness. Um, 24? 33. Okay. OBP. Oh, God. I On no base idea. percentage if you're playing at me. home. 373. Yeah. And what are they slugging? Oh, God. I don't know. Give that one to me. 540. I have no idea. Yeah. That's this what I'm is saying. your softball team. This is the saying. Cincinnati plays in the beer league and they are your winners, especially at home at the launching pad. So that's what they do. At least that's what they do. At least they're it's so much fun to go to those games. I know it's heart wrenching when you have go to the pen, but that is a fun team to watch. Uh it is. CB's tribe shut out the White Sox five zip. I saw Another guy that I caught earlier in the year, Cesar Hernandez, came back and took Giolito out. Uh, Rosario scored on an infield folly. I think the Keystone Cops, they bumped into each other at third. But the story of that game was Zach Plesak. Just throwing everything he had and getting a lot of misses. A lot of misses. He he was really good. That four-seam fastball, been in the low 90s all through April, hit 94 yesterday. And then J-Ram... And let me talk about my boy, who you and I discussed a lot when I was in fantasy baseball, and I was picking eighth, and I took him. I started to get worried, as you know, about whether that lineup could protect him enough, whether he'd see anything. I don't, I don't watch everybody, but you and I watch a lot of baseball. And I don't know if there's a dude that I can say right now that reads pitches, at, he, he reads pitches as, as good as anyone in the game. He hits 97 like it's batting practice. I, sw- he, I cannot figure out how he can identify and has, he has one of the quickest triggers in the game. That bat is like a toothpick. And he took 97 out like it was nothing. Really impressive. Well, I think that's kind of where we are in baseball, right? Where these guys are starting to see this high velocity. I think the game has swung that way recently over the last handful of years to where you're kind of surprised whether it's a starter or a guy coming out of the gate in a bullpen situation. Is it throwing 94 plus? I think that's where we are, but no question. J Ram's got lightning quick hands, man. It's unbelievable what he does in the box. And he's going to have to carry a ton of the weight because I think outside of him, you don't necessarily know what you're getting consistently as far as pop goes within this lineup, but to grab a dub and to shut out a lineup like the White Sox, and I know the White Sox have been dealing with injuries throughout the year and all that, so I don't know if we've seen the best White Sox, but for Cleveland, man, that's that's it because you're chasing the Kansas City Royals, who's been a surprise for a lot of people around the baseball world, and they're lock horns with them here, get kicking off a series here this week, so that'll be big. 
But it's, I'm glad that you brought up Police because that's a guy I asked uh, Jay Lou about on Friday in Chin Music because last couple outings against the White Sox weren't great. And then I was just asking, what is he saying from Zach Police And he wasn't saying he was concerned because the start before this outing yesterday, he had a great outing as well. So that's going to be it because that's what this pitching staff can do. We know what Bieber's doing all day long with the freak show that he is every fifth day, but the Tristan McKenzie's of the world, the Savali's of the world, and obviously the police acts, there was a lot of hope coming to the season about these guys putting out outings like this because you can slow down a lineup like a Chicago White Sox with a Jose Abreu in it and a Tim Anderson in it and some other really good hitters. So that's a great sign, man. If he's going to get it going and maybe can help out this team if the office doesn't have it when he's standing out there on the bump, that's a tremendous boost for this Cleveland team and a, and a lot of the reason why people thought that they could hang around in this division and possibly grab a playoff spot because of the arms they throw out there every fifth day. All right, they are 500. They are 13 and 13. They are three games back of the first place Kansas City Royals. Uh, Sox are a game and a half back. And over in the Central for the Reds, also three and a half back of Milwaukee. Cards are one game back. And Cincinnati is 13 and 14 on the year. All right, there's your uh, your Sunday look at the Ohio baseball teams. We will come back. We'll set the menu for you. We'll do a lot of draft recap. Uh, we'll find out what's going on with Aaron Rodgers, whether the uh, the bully ball that he's going to play might lead to a power play. And he's got one foot in and one foot out right now. Which one is going to win? We'll talk about it today. We're locked in. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Reaping your jackets flagship station since day one. All the goals, all the action, all the memories. Your home for the Columbus Blue Jackets, the fan, Ohio sports destination. One of them survives on almonds and broccoli. The other crushes frozen pizza in his unwashed sweats. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. All right, guys, make your health a priority. I'm doing it. Quick and easy health assessment at Low T Center. Go get it. They specialize in men's wellness. They'll follow strict medical guidelines for your health and safety. And they are one of the leading men's medical providers in the country. Low T Center has reinvented the doctor's visit. Making it quick and easy to get all your levels checked. So it's not just your T levels. They'll start with the annual wellness exam. They'll do a comprehensive health assessment so you know all the numbers important to your health. I get it. Tired, grumpy, weight gain, loss of muscle mass. Could all be low T. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's low thyroid. Maybe it's sleep apnea. Low T Center is going to help you find the cause and then help you tackle it. And they now offer monitored self-injected home testosterone treatments if you need it, providing convenience. And the additional safety. Self-injected home treatments, only $135 a month for self-pay. Covered by most health insurance. Book your annual wellness exam today. Go to LowTCenter.com. LowTCenter, reinventing men's health care. little shout-out to my boy, Georgie Boy. Got a stress test this morning. Uh, good luck, G-Train. Uh, get you back going and golfing and vacationing and all that good stuff. Uh, Mel Kuyper, uh, I heard this morning, I don't know if you heard this, uh, I think Greenberg mentioned it on his show that the entire night of the draft, Maddie, like day one or night one, night two, he doesn't he doesn't take a break. They say he doesn't eat anything, he doesn't drink anything, doesn't go to the bathroom. Come on, I, exactly right. I'm not buying Never that. leaves the set. Well, there'd be evidence if he did. Like, what is he wearing a bag? Like, I mean, you can't always time it out perfectly in pregame, right? <laughs> We only have one bathroom in here now like we did at the old station. Uh, I don't know if anyone's, you know, well, what's going on there. And by the way, it's a one-seater in there. Te- n- technically, we have two. Oh, we do? Yes, we do. 
Is that a secret one, a corporate one no, for there's, you? There's, there's, no, there's, <laughs> they're pretty much adjacent to each other. You just got to find the other door. Oh, a secret door to the bathroom. How about that, Maddie? A back door to the bathroom. Yeah, like a little hit behind a hidden bookshelf yeah. like you see in a movie all the time. Right. Something like so, that. You push in, and as soon as you open it, yes. just whatever went down in there just smacks you right in the nose. Yeah, that'd be a good mm-hmm. time. Right, sure. right, right. Why not? Yeah. You can't always time this stuff. Anyway, here's Kuiper talking about whether or not Fields will start sooner rather than later in Chi-Town. Do you believe, Mel, Justin Fields should be the starting quarterback in Chicago week one? I don't think you can say should be. I think this is has to play out. Andy Dalton's there. They drafted a couple offensive linemen, Jenkins and Borum. After that, Daz Newsome, the wide receiver, North Carolina, and Khalil Herbert. It was interesting. Four players after field, all offensive players. Like I said, two offensive linemen, running back, wide receiver. Give up your number one next year to the Giants. Obviously, there's a commitment here that Justin Fields is our guy. It was a commitment to Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert only played with the Chargers because Tyrod Taylor got hurt in right before the game. Here, you're the starting quarterback. Go out there and do it. And he did it the rest of the year in a phenomenal way. I think they have to have a plan in place. Andy Dalton, I think, there's nothing wrong with Andy Dalton opening the season as a starter. To say that Justin Fields has to be the guy, I don't believe he has to be the guy. If he's ready to be the guy, fine. And all that positivity now with the Bears is because of Fields coming in. Negativity in Green Bay with Aaron, who's raining on the parade on draft day, saying, I want out. He picked the perfect time to rain on a parade. We're in Chicago. Everybody's all excited. But to think that he has to be and should be, I think those are words right now about Justin Fields we don't need to use. So here's the deal. Take a breath, big dog. Oh, no, I love him. I love him. No, I, I just told you he doesn't take breaks. Man. Oh, Here, here's the deal. I think a lot of people are saying the same thing, that Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are going to force Justin in there because he's going to be the better quarterback, and they're trying to save their existence. But if you look at it logically, the ownership gave them the power to go get him. And take the big swing. I think it would be counterintuitive for ownership because if ownership didn't trust them to make this trade, they would have whacked them before this if they didn't like the way the future was going. I'm not saying he won't start right away. There's a chance he'll beat out Dalton and he'll be ready to go. But I think there's this narrative out there that they are going to put him in before he's ready because he's just more talented. And I think that would be a mistake. It'd be a mistake for him because you know what everyone's saying. Well, he got drafted by the Bears. He's screwed. Bad place. Quarterback graveyard. Not good. And I'm here to tell you that they are going to be very careful here. They have to be. Like, so what's the big deal if he doesn't start right away, if he's not ready? Like, I, to me, I'm, well, I'm into that because I, I don't think they're, they're not a ready-made contender. With him? The, the only re- reason why I think if you're Matt Nagy and you're Ryan Pace that you would want to get Justin Fields going right out of the gate is if for whatever reason ownership gets into week five, week six, and they're not playing well and they pull ripcord. That's the only reason why. If you're Matt Nagy and Ryan mm-hmm. Pace, and if Justin Fields isn't ready, that's the one caveat to me about this, is that they get the OTAs in training camp and they're not liking what they're seeing from Justin Fields, I don't think it's responsible to throw him out there. But I do think that if it's close between he and Dalton and Justin Fields has a good feel of not only the playbook, but the locker room in the team as well as being the new leader of this team because there's a lot of dudes on this team, and I'm sure Khalil Mack's obviously a big leader and some guys on the defensive side of the ball that have a loud voice. And obviously, Allen Robinson is a playmaker on the outside. That's been a problem for defenses to deal with. So how can he wrangle in all the leadership 
in that part of a team too and get everybody on the same page I think is important to weigh as a coach as well but the X and O part of it I think will play out right before their eyes through training camp and I don't think it's going to take very long for them to look at him and say okay he gives us our best chance to win and I think that's going to be the case when we get closer to the season can't imagine the situation that they're in and they're going to look at Justin Fields and Andy Dalton and roll with Dalton unless for whatever reason the gap between Andy Dalton and Justin Fields is so big that they have no choice but to play Andy Dalton. I believe if it's close, you roll with Justin Fields. I think it opens up so much more of what they can do. And we touched on it on Friday. Trubisky did some okay things under Matt Nagy when they had one good year. So maybe that can get Matt Nagy going just a little bit. But that's absolutely fair if you want to question what Matt Nagy's got going on. But I'm not going to be surprised if he's the guy in week one, that being Justin Mm -hmm. Fields. And I absolutely think that's going to be the case. So we're taught in this business to come out swinging, and I think we're only going to know this. I think you and I and CB will have a better conversation about this in nine days. What's going to happen in nine days? The schedule will be out. Schedule comes out. Then I can tell you, and you can tell people, and CB can look at it, and then we can diagnose, okay, what's the over-under on weeks where Justin Fields is the starter? Because if it goes the way you think, which is, let's say they do start out really bad, and Nagy loses his job. He's like, I didn't even get a chance to drive this new car. I've had it in the garage. I didn't even get a chance to take it out. But I'm telling you that they let them go make this move, which means I think that they trust the trust it a little bit still, that they're not you know, penalizing them for the Trubisky thing. They it, all all these front offices of all the front offices, Maddie, the Bears, these guys should have been the last ones that should have gotten carte blanche to go up and make a, another swing. But I told you last week, I think the NFL front offices are changing. I think they feel like there are only so many great hits, only so many Patrick Mahomes and 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 the guys that you that you don't see. And I think they're willing to give you a make good. I think this is I, Pace and Nagy's make good, and I think they're going to let it play out. I think part of it, to me, could be ownership realizing the mistake that was Trubisky and hearing all that noise and having the Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes thing right in front of their face over the last mm-hmm. couple of years. So I think maybe ownership signed off more so on the quarterback than they did the coach and the GM because they have to get that corrected. And if I'm the owner of the team, I want to get the franchise quarterback in the building and mm-hmm. then worry about what I can do with Matt Nagy and the GM up there in Ryan Pace. So it's a fascinating deal. But I just, man, I can't, I'd be surprised if Andy Dalton is the guy's schedule or not. I think Justin Fields just gives them, is going to give them the best opportunity to win and if you're a teammate and this is going to play out in training camp and those guys are looking around and saying he Justin Fields is the player he, he's the guy that we should be rolling out there that's also a hard thing to stomach too if your head coach is not putting out the best quarterback on the roster and I happen to think that's going to be Jay Fields Mike Tanier, contributor football outsiders at fan side it jumps on the program next which GM's actually know what they're doing. We'll find out next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Feel unappreciated. Things not working out the way you imagined. Bad news. Sometimes life sucks. Good news. We don't. The fan. Ohio's sports destination. Old school and new school. Joining forces to give you an education. This is Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back in. Rothman and Ice. We go to the Brian Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Mike Tanier. Our friend from Football Outsiders and the New York Times is with us. MT in the house. How'd you enjoy the draft, bud? 
I really enjoyed Aaron Rodgers' self-esteem hissy fit weekend with the opening act of the NFL draft. <sighs> you know, it's funny that you put it that way because most people, and I, I believe me, I, I like the fact that you're being candid with this. Most people are like that the Packers deserve this, that they deserve the beating that they're taking in the media with Rodgers, that, that he, if anyone should be able to bully their way out or get a front office person fired, it's Aaron Rodgers. But I, I, we haven't talked about it a lot yet today, but the fact that now, Mike, that he's saying, I'll stay if this guy gets fired, uh, mm-hmm. uh, do you, are you buying that? Or is he just, he didn't, didn't uh, I guess he underestimated the backlash from Packer fan. I think every stage along this sort of prima donna, you know, bigger than the game, every step he takes down, uh, down this road, a few, he loses a few supporters uh, in, among the fans, uh, among the media, among the people who kind of stump for him. Because, yeah, some guys, you know, it is like, hey, if Aaron Rodgers wants to act this way, he's Aaron Rodgers. He can. You know, LeBron can act this way. You know, all these other people can sort of act this way. You have to put up with it to a point. To a point where it does get ridiculous and it becomes almost vindictive. I think people need to keep in mind, uh, Rodgers already pretty much had a coach fired. He already had a regime change over top of him. You know, this is kind of who he is uh, to a degree here where, uh, you know, it, it becomes something that does become counterproductive. Where even, even bosses who are sympathetic, bosses who realize how necessary he is to win, get to be like, look, we, we, can't, do it. we can't do it this way anymore. Uh, they've been that way really for a year or so in Green Bay, and we're really, the world is finding out about it now. That said, you know, when you have this problem and your management, it is your job to, to come up with a solution. And the Packers' solution so far has been, hey, let's draft Jordan Love and let's pretend everything's okay and let's let this fester. That's not, not necessarily a good look on their side either. Let's stay in the NFC North. You know, Justin Fields selected by the Chicago Bears. They make a move up to get their potential quarterback of the future. Your thoughts on maybe a quarterback competition between Dalton and Justin Fields? How are you feeling about that? And who do you think will be the guy when the Bears take a snap in week one? The competition should be between Andy Dalton and Nick Foles to see who gets to be the cushy, overpaid, I'm a mentor quarterback for Justin Fields and gets to do all of that routine. And, and, and heaven forbid the poor loser of that battle gets to go to the Houston Texans or something. But that's the way this should be. I, I, if, if Nagy is who he claims to be, which is an Andy Reid protege, Andy Reid has excelled in the past at putting together uh, a, a game plan for young quarterbacks uh, that they can play with right away. I mean, he, he let Mahomes wait, but he had Alex Smith, so he let Mahomes wait there. He, they can put together things that Justin Fields can do outstandingly early on and then backfill as he grows. That's a better plan for this team, which still has a lot on defense. They can still win games by like 20-17, to 21-17 final scores if they have to. That's a much better plan than saying, let's wait, let's wait, let's wait, let's make this Andy Dalton thing happen a while. I think that they're just prolonging the agony for the fans. Justin Fields, unless something untoward happens, is ready to get out there and be their their starting quarterback day one. Mike Tanier with us. We talk NFL draft. Duke Tobin, uh, the Bengals' power structure is a little mysterious. But Tobin runs this, <laughs> isn't it? I mean, like it's it's pretty clear that that Tobin has run the, their drafts before Marvin yeah, Lewis yeah, was yeah. was jettisoned out of there. Um, and when you think about, it, I mean, outside of our guy Billy Price. Um, his drafts have made some sense. I think most people agree with that. I mean, Boyd, yeah. Mixon, Bates, Higgins, those are second-round picks that look really good. Lawson and Hubbard, really good mid-rounders. Burrow, we know what he's getting out of that. But did you like 
the pick at five, reuniting him with one of the great weapons in the draft when their O-line uh, showed itself last year to the tune of a scar that runs down Burrow's leg. Yeah, I would have, I would have taken uh, today Sewell. I think most people have taken today Sewell. And uh, it is a little mysterious that you t- have this opportunity and you go in the other direction, um, especially when, like you said, they, they've drafted pretty well, but they have not drafted well overall on the offensive line. And here's the no-brainer of no-brainers, and you don't take it. That said, moving forward, Jamar Chase, heck of a player, gives you that wide receiver one that you had with A.J. Green, uh, up until Green started to be sort of an injury case. They did come back later. I like Jackson Carmen. I think he's a pretty good prospect. I mean, maybe a little reach at se- second round, but I don't think he's a terrible player. I, I know that they, uh, they got a guy later on I don't know much about, Deontay Smith. And I like what they did on the edge rushers. I like both of the guys, particularly Joseph Asai. So I don't think it's a bad draft overall. But the question is, how is this offensive line going to get better uh, and going to protect Joe Barrow. And, you know, I don't necessarily have an answer for that. I, I, maybe the jury's still out on Jonah Williams. I don't know. Maybe they're expecting some of the younger guys. Maybe they expect more out of Riley Rice, and I think they're going to get out of Riley Rice. But it was mysterious, and it does leave a very potentially dangerous uh, 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 gap on there in their, in their death chart at a position that they absolutely need to protect their quarterback. Wanted to slide over to the NFC South with you. Tampa's had an incredible offseason, running it back with everybody, coaches, kicker, punter, long snapper. It's unbelievable what they've been able to do. But which team do you think's maybe closed the gap on Tampa? Who, who do you think's going to be maybe their toughest competition within the NFC South? Because I think there's some fan, uh, some pretty uh, fantasizing, um, you know, interesting, excuse me, storylines for all three of the teams, Atlanta, Carolina, New Orleans. I'm intrigued by all three of them. Who do you think's closed the gap on, on the champs right now? Well, I, I do not like New Orleans' draft at all. Uh, I, I do not like I think that they were going out there. They're a team that's about to kind of fall apart. Obviously, Drew Brees is retired. They go out and get Ian Book at quarterback, which basically said, hey, we're rolling with Taysom Hill. That's how it's going to be. A lot of really good players on defense, old players on defense, and they went and they kind of drafted projects. They drafted the kind of guys you get when you don't have a lot of needs and you can kind of like put a guy on your bench and redshirt him for a year. So it's not the Saints. Uh, I'm still looking at Sam Donald, the chop of the uh, depth chart in Carolina. So let's go over to the Atlanta Falcons, who I think added an incredible weapon for Matt Ryan. If the logic is you're going to keep Matt Ryan uh, uh, at, operating at peak facility and get, you know, I guess 5,000 yard passing seasons with him in 17 games, Kyle Pitts is the best possible guy for that. Looks like the Julio Jones rumors are down. They're going to stick with Ridley, Jones, and Pitts. Oh, my God, that's going to make any quarterback look good. Some of the guys that get later on, like Richie Grant, had a really high grade on him. He's somebody who helps their defense. You know, football outsiders, the the Falcons defense, I believe, finished 14th in the NFL. We're used to the Falcons defense finishing 32nd in the NFL, so 14th is really good. If they're getting a little younger, if they're adding pieces there, get a little bit better luck, recover some onside kicks, Stop doing stupid stuff in the fourth quarter. They can be the team that turns around and causes a little more trouble for the Buccaneers. All right, Mike, let's take our final minute and talk about those brownies. And Andrew Barry is like the sixth or seventh decision maker since Jimmy H. bought the team. Um, And hopefully he'll be the last decision maker for a while. Uh, He hit on, on Jed Wills. Uh, that looks great. He took some late round hands team with, with Harrison Bryant and, and Donovan Peoples Jones. There's some value there. Uh, they were able to sit back and get need here with Greg Newsom, the second, and then Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa, which a lot of people had as a big time yeah. talent. And then he took the high ceiling, low floor, Anthony Schwartz, raw receiver, <laughs> boomer bust. But, um, the Brownies were just trying to, 
you know, fill in some places of need with best player available, do you grade them out here um, as making some noise this year in this draft? I do, and it's like the, the one thing you see with the Barry administration, they don't do anything stupid. They don't lurch around doing crazy stuff. They take measured risks. When they take a risk, it makes sense. It's a position where they can back things up. So when I look at what they did in the offseason, secondary is significantly upgraded. Secondary was a weak spot in part because of injuries last year, but it's significantly upgraded with the guys they got from the Rams and Greg Newsom. I also had a high grade on Jeremy Owusu Karamoa on on the Joker man. I I think you know the logic when you're like an analytics based team is that you don't over uh, over spend at linebacker. Get a second round pick who's a linebacker who can fly around who can generate sacks for you. That's a good move there. Didn't have a high grade on Anthony Schwartz, but speed is speed is speed is speed. Uh, and, you know, if you're going to play a lot of two tight ends and if you're going to get Odell back or if Peoples-Jones is going to take another step forward, that's not bad. So they did enough at each place. This was not some make-or-break draft for them. They consolidated their gains throughout the offseason, through the draft, through the free agency. I know they've got money to spend. They can extend some contracts to some of these guys as well. And I think that they've done a very good job overall in the offseason. All right, he's all over the place. He contributes to the Football Outsiders. Follow them on Twitter at FB Outsiders and at New York Times Sports. He's Mike Tanier. Great job, Mike. We'll talk to you soon. Always a pleasure. Take care and enjoy the offseason. Yes, you got it. Schedule release coming soon in nine days. Mike was on the Bryant Heating Cooling Systems Fangus Hotline. Maddie and I come back. Party like a Rothstar next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. When that alarm clock goes off, morning juice comes on. The perfect way to dominate your day or just lay around the house. Morning juice. Weekdays at 6. The fan. Let's all gather into the kiki. It's time to party like a Rothstar. Sponsored by Mobile Center, taking care of your cellular needs. Mobile Center, now part of the 5GT mobile network. I even have CB. I'm even looking at him, and I and I jumped off sides. It was better when I didn't have him. All right. Start it off, Maddie. Fire away, you know, buddy, because I'm going non-drafters this weekend. Okay, okay. I, I got some, some stuff for you, too, Not in the draft world. And we touched on it to start the show. I'm going to bring it home for my red legs and highlight a career milestone for one Joey Votto, because this weekend, Joey Votto, he hits his 300th career home run off Jake Arrieta. Don't bring that weak stuff in here, and I'm going to hit it almost out of the stadium to right field. Get it out of here, Jake Arrieta. Told you guys he was not ready to step into GABP. (laughs) Joey Votto hits an absolute bomb off of him. The only other Reds, AR, with over 300 home runs, Frank Robinson and Johnny Bench. So Joey Votto in some really good company. The guy's career in a Reds uniform has been very, very solid. MVP, six-time All-Star, gold glove, and now a part of the 300 home run club. Votto-Matic, Joey Mappo, or you could just call him Joey Votto. Partying like a Ross star, I see ya. I still like Grand Theft Votto. I, that's my favorite. And you were right. You were right. I had the under on five and a half. Big mistake. Big mistake. I thought Eric Jake the Snake was coming in there to go at least five. It did. It's old news. Brutal. It's old news. Um, Semyon Alexandrovich Varlamov. Goalie for the New York Islanders. That's right. A Russian. Three straight shutouts? Three straight in the National Hockey League. He's given up one goal 
in 107 shots. Mm, that's pretty good. You kidding me? Pretty good. Yeah, and I got to face him in fantasy hockey this week <laughs> in the finals. Uh, how about that? How about the Islanders, man? Oh, man? Just doing it right now in the playoffs, and this guy down the stretch. I mean, shutouts are fairly rare in the National Hockey League. This dude's pitched three in a row? Varlamov, partying like a Rothstar. Give him some vodka. It's legit. It's legit. Shots, shots, shots for everybody. Let's get it going. All right. Got a couple candidates. They're going to share my second slot this week for party like a Rothstar. Kevin Durant. Giannis Antetokounmpo, are you kidding me with the performance you two cats put on yesterday? Kevin Durant, 42 points in this game, 10 rebounds, 2 assists, unbelievable 7 of 13 from the field. And then Giannis, a.k.a. the Greek Freak, number 34 for Milwaukee, says slow down, slow down, Kevin Durant. I'm going to drop 49 points, tack on 8 rebounds with 4 assists and three blocks and for Giannis the knock was always all right big fella you know you can get to the lane do your spin move dunk on everybody that stuff's a lot of fun but can we expand the game you want a couple MVPs you want a defensive player of the year what's next offensively for Giannis oh can we get out to the three-point line and get busy Giannis said you know what the whole world's watching national showcase game yesterday I'm gonna go four of eight from three Giannis, that's a big development in his game. Two powerhouses in the Eastern Conference, locking horns yesterday and putting on a tremendous show. Kevin Durant dropping 42. Giannis Antetokounmpo dropping 49, partying like a raw star. It was, inc- it was incredible. Maxwell M. Scherzer. The M stands for Millhouse. First complete game in a while. Eight complete games since 2015. That's second behind Corey Kluber and tied with Clayton Kershaw. Now you'll be a big hit with your friends. Yesterday, he needed only 106 pitches. And you know why he was in such a hurry, Matty Ice? Oh, yeah, I know. He threw a complete game and then ran out of the stadium to go be with his wife who had gone into labor. Talk about not being distracted. Got to do some short work here. Scherzer joining his wife after a complete game. Did not stick around. Uh, beat the Marlins 3-1. Had a little urgent matter to attend to. His wife, Erica, in labor with their third child. And everyone wished him well as he ran out of Nats Park. Pretty remarkable. For a dude whose uh, focus on the mound has been unmatched since he got there in 15. Seven-year deal worth 210 mil that everyone looks at now as a bargain in hindsight. 36 years old, uh, nine strikeouts, 106 pitches, and run to be with your wife. Hopefully everything came out okay. Yeah, man. Well, only guy I think I know I've ever seen in the sports world with two different eye colors, which is also a very fascinating thing. Last one for me, partying like a raw star this week. Let's take a trip to the NFC East because there was some history made inside the Giants building, or at least attached to their GM, Dave Gettleman, and his history as a general manager. This cat has never traded down 
in his entire life running a football operational room. What does he do this weekend or including this entire draft? He traded down twice. We talked about Justin Fields going to Chicago. That was part of this thing, and I love what they're doing here. They surrounded Daniel Jones with a ton of talent this offseason. They go out and get Kadarius Toney from Florida. Another weapon for you. No excuses for Daniel Jones. But what does Dave Gettleman have in his back pocket now? He's got his first-round draft pick for next year. He's got... The, the Bears' first-round draft pick for next year as well. So what can happen? If Daniel Jones doesn't work out, guess what Dave Gettleman's got? Ammunition to drop in a quarterback next year on a team that's going to have a lot of playmakers. Dave Gettleman, a.k.a. Trader Dave, I see you. And AR, we got to give a round of applause, I think, to Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys. They resisted all the temptation, and what do they do? They say, you know what? We're going to have a good offense. Let's get some defensive dudes in the building. Micah Parsons in the first. Cornerback Kelvin Mm -hmm. Johnson in the second. And then three third-round draft picks on defense. New defensive coordinator Dan Quinn coming in this offseason. Everybody knew how awful the Cowboys defense was a year ago. And they resisted any temptation early in the draft and said, we're getting defense, getting defense. Jerry Jones, (laughs) Dave Gettleman, two dudes running teams in the NFC East, partying like a rock star. So what if the Cowboys wanted Paxton Lynch instead of Dak Prescott? So what? You know why? Because they didn't do it. They didn't do it. It doesn't matter how tempted you are, tempted by the fruit of another, tempted, but the truth is discovered. What's been going on in Jerry World? Well done. Party like a rock star. I had one more candidate. I'll I'll zip that in when we come back. Sprinkle it over. I will. Yeah, it'll sprinkle over. A little sprinkles. Yeah. We'll have a sports center update, top of the hour. Then we'll come back and examine Cincinnati's draft, Brownie's mm. draft, mm. and we'll dive in and see maybe who did better. And then did we hit the over under on the amount of picks? I have no clue. <laughs> we'll examine that next. Rothman and Ice in the fan. Always imitated, never duplicated. Your heritage sports talker and flagship home for Ohio State athletics. The fan, Ohio sports destination. Just a couple of guys whose love for fantasy sports may exceed their love for real sports. This is Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back. Second hour, Rothman and Ice. Anthony Rothman, Matty Ice, Hey, CB in his saddle as... I reside back in the new fan man cave. Maddie's still in his original man cave. Let me ask you this. Yeah. On your way in today, how many times did you listen to, I'm coming home, I'm coming no, home? No, I was scared that I was going to drive to Channel 6. That's where I went for 16 years. I'm here. Anybody home? Wrong Host, building. Housekeeping. I'm here. Anybody... How come my key card doesn't work? Oh man! Uh, no, I, I actually, I, I don't, I don't know what I was thinking. It was weird, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, and I was going to give you one more uh, party, party like a rock star, yeah. So, and you give me a read on this. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I like Ben Affleck. I like his movies. Sure. I, I think he's, you know, he's, he's got some range. Uh, he was hanging out again with. Jennifer Lopez. Now, you know she's freshly on the rebound from A-Rod, and it set the internet on fire Fire. with all these proclamations that they're back. What was it, Benifer? Isn't that what they were known as? (laughs) Yeah, I think so. And so, they, they, yeah, they spent a lot of time together, and then, but their support is, nope, they're just friends, and they've been friends for a long time, 
and that but you know there's no such thing as never especially in hollywood so is it impossible that things could spark here uh j-lo seems to be one of those with relationships gone south that she keeps it friendly so she spent time with a-rod i guess ex-hubby mark anthony since her breakup with a-rod and maybe this is her idea of just kind of making a smooth landing, just having a, a a resume of dudes that are just friends and they're all willing to be friends, which I guess says a lot. And in Mark Anthony's case, they have two kids together, so we get that. They got to keep things nice and civil. Well, Tough breakup, though, um, with, with uh, Ben, but I guess they may be back. So are you buying that they are just friends after she calls it quit with quits with A-Rod after four years of dating. They got engaged, and then maybe the pandemic hit, and it maybe it was fate for them that we weren't supposed to get married. I think I think it tells me a little bit about J-Lo, Jenny mm-hmm. from the block, man. Yeah. When you got a couple exes still hanging around, and, and when you drop a DM or a text to them, they don't leave you on red. They, they, they're they interacting. They want to link up again. So I'm all about this, man. I want somebody to swoop in and put a ring on it, like Beyonce said, and keep the ring on it is what I want to happen for J-Lo because, man, I mean, she's been hustling. She's been in the game for a long time. Mm-hmm. Somebody really needs to lock in on this. So I'm good if J-Lo and Ben Affleck like want to slide out do a little brunch you know have some mimosas get a little omelet going like i'm all in man stare across Mm -hmm. stare across the table in each other's eyes and talk about the good times and all of the things that went wrong and how we correct them if that's the path we're going down i'm good if j-lo is also in the mindset of hey I just want to kick it with my exes. I like a little bit of what they all brought to the table. I want a little sliver of all of them again. I'm also all on board with that, too, because she's dated some pretty powerful, powerful cats in the industry. So I'm all about it for J-Lo. I'm Team J-Lo, man. All I right. want her to find love again. All right, so I'm going to steal. I don't think he had this, but I'll steal it if there was one and tell the truth. So are we talking friends with Bennies here or no? Because See, they were spotted at the same hotel a day before J-Lo saw A-Rod being dropped off again, which later drove her and somebody else to a business meeting. Like, like what I mean is Lopez was spotted out with, with A-Rod last weekend at the Hotel Bel Air, the same mm-hmm. spot where the exes went on their first date okay. back in 2017. And she owns a twenty million, twenty-eight million dollar mansion nearby, which could be a quick exit stage left. So I'll wrap it up that way. Sure. Um, sure. A Rod's not the only former fiance that J Lo seems to be seeing when she quote gets back in town. Yeah, that you know when you start stepping out of hotel rooms, that gets a little weird for me. Well, as I don't far know if it was out of the room, but it well, was I'm out just of the hotels hotel. in yeah. general, especially on back to back days or in a, within a two games. two can you throw day the same goalie on back to back nights or whatever it is that can get a little <laughs> dangerous. That's different than them coming out of Nobu out there in downtown yeah. L.A. where there's a whole bunch of paparazzi catching you coming out of a very popular L.A. restaurant where a lot of celebrities yeah. go coming out of a hotel. You know, that can have a little walk of shame vibe to it, AR. You know? You know about those walk of shames. Yeah, I mean, back in the day, I do, but I don't, I mean, I don't remember any right now. Carp will remind me. Carp reminds me all the time about sleeping on a Holiday Inn lobby couch on Olentangy River Road back in the day. But um, All right, so the Bengals knew they had their, their uh, go-to dude right there. 
at tackle, and they added Jamar Chase and Jackson Carmen, respectively. Um, Chase, I don't think there's anybody that doubts that Chase will be in the chase from start to finish for offensive rookie of the year. Now that's pending that he could, that Burrow responds from his surgery and that they keep him upright and Mixon is back in the mix. But how would you grade this thing out? Because I talked, you know, to uh, Tanir about this in the in in the previous segment about how they seem to be hitting here. They just went, like I said on Friday, they went with the rims instead of checking out what the engine may need. You f- you feeling the Bengals draft? So, you know, I said last week I want to come in here on Monday and see them throw a couple things at the wall in the offensive line category and see if they stick. And, look, they've done that. I know that there's some questions about the Jackson Carmen pick and maybe some other offensive linemen that they may have picked, you know, they should have picked over Jackson Carmen in that spot. But it seems that they have some confidence that he's going to come in there and slide over to guard. I have to ask AR, maybe there was some emotional uh, stuff behind this pick since he's kind of a hometown kid and maybe that came into account there but we know how big of a recruit recruit he was Ohio State was all over him and that was a story when a kid from your backyard or in your state leaves you to go down to Clemson and rock out with Dabo uh, you never really want that and there was a lot of people that were excited to see what he could do in college and I know his college career from what you read was up and down he dealt with some injuries I believe had a little back thing going on so maybe we haven't seen the best from Jackson Carmen but I don't know if he smashed it out of the park the way a lot of people thought he would coming out of high school so we'll see and then they come out in round four and they draft another tackle from East Carolina and Deontay Smith I can't really sit here and say I still have any confidence in what the offensive line is going to do but they did address it in the second round and that's all I was asking them to do was go out Mm -hmm. there and try to find some young guys that can help out the middle of that offensive line because I think they're confident in Jonah Williams and they're confident in Riley Reef probably being their bookend tackles right now but a part of those the, the same guys that we've seen on that roster right now were guys that were getting Joe Burrow in bad spots a year ago. So maybe it's health. Maybe it's you're bringing back your offensive line coach, one of your older offensive line coach, and getting him back into the building that's bringing you confidence. I still would have flipped it. I would have gone wide receiver second round offensive lineman Mm -hmm. in the first round because if you go watch the video of the Detroit Lions war room, look how excited they were when they got Panay Sewell. Not to say that Jamar Chase is not going to work out, but I think that's how they felt about the talent that is Panay Sewell up there in Detroit and really quick AR I will say this one of my favorite picks I believe for the Cincinnati Bengals is going to be Chris Evans from Michigan because that guy was out of sight out of mind right he was out of sight out of mind last year I think it was some academic stuff going on he was academically ineligible I believe off the top of my head last year so we didn't see him but we know, we've seen him in a couple of games, and throughout the Big Ten, he's got a little spark to his game, and they lost that with Geo going down mm-hmm. to Tampa. So I think that could be one little sneaky pick that I really like for Cincinnati, but it all comes back to the five guys up front. That's going to be the headline for the rest of the summer and the early portion of the season, because everybody can get on board with what the pick, what the offense will look like with Jamar Chase. We're all, we're all hyping that up for sure. I'm in. But can they block, I still think, is definitely a question mark for me. I think it should be a question mark for everybody. And that's why, I guess we have to believe Zach Taylor. Now, we sure. have to believe him, because I asked last week, I said, should we believe him? You were the one that picked up on the on the hints. 
And I said, wait a minute, we, we can't take what he's saying as the truth, or at least all of it. And yeah. look what happened. They wound up going chase. So, you know, when you have a choice between a dominant left tackle and one of the great receivers in college football, that's why I kept saying, I don't think they can screw this up unless Burrow is just under siege again. Like, you can't afford that. It, it kind of goes to just how aggressive you want to be. And I, they felt like getting... Uh, Carmen in this second pick that he he played pretty well at the end of last year. I think they feel like there is, but they that's not a ready made dude. Like I, not with Sewell. Like Jackson Carmen can be good, and that was the pick they had to make at pick forty six. But uh, I was leaning Sewell, but it's one of those things where you cannot take your eyes off what they have now offensively trying to compete here, and if they can give him more time. But it's, I was just, maybe for me and Bengal fan, I was just psychologically damaged for them last year. I was just like, and I, I admitted to you last week, if they, if Burrow never got injured, I think they take Chase all day. All day. Even though they needed Sewell. I was like, no. And, but the fact that we got to see it with our own eyes, this guy getting stretchered off the field in game 10, because the left side of his line got blown to bits. Now, admittedly, it got blown up on a bull rush, but then that dude got spun into a plant leg, which certainly you can blame on that decision to spin him that way, to go with his leverage. And it was really dangerous and obviously turned out to be horrific. But there is something about, like I think if you really hooked up Tobin and, and their brain trust to the uh, lie detector, you could ask, did you just not think Sewell is going to be as good as everyone says? Like, is that the reason? Like, I'm wondering what they really, truly felt if Sewell was a generational tackle, like Munoz think, thought and Collinsworth thought, sure, but, sure. but our boy Lap did not. I think part of it had to be, and whether they'll tell us the truth or not, they had evidence that it works with Burrow and Chase. They have ton. They have that. 2019, you can't deny what those guys did together. And when you have what they, I believe, looked at as a whole on their roster with a number one wide receiver on the boundary, on the outside, and you have this prospect coming out in Jamar Chase that has a ton of chemistry with your quarterback, to me, I think that outweighed anything else because – with the breadcrumbs that we followed, with listening to Duke Tobin and reading some of the quotes about what they did in free agency, it did start to lean me towards the chase pick. And I think when you combine what they believe is in-house guys that can play the offensive line position and be a lot better than what we've seen as long as they're healthy, with Riley Reef there, and then you look back at 2019 and what your quarterback was able to do with that weapon that's available for you, I don't think they were going to pass on that at, at all because I think they're having dreams about what this what this is going to look like and they're sweet dreams for sure and I understand the Bengal fans that are all in on this but I think sometimes casual football fans and I could fall in this camp too sometimes is that you don't really think too much about the trenches because it's sexier to think about the playmakers on the outside and the fantasy angle of all that and Higgins and Boyd and Mixon and Chase and here we go we're going to wreck the league and I think that they have a chance to be one of the best offenses in the AFC eventually but how much time are you going to have for number nine 
This is going to fall on Jackson Carmen. This is going to fall on Jonah Williams and how good he's going to be. Because I still don't think we know and what Riley Reese is bringing to the table. So all this stuff to me doesn't really matter if they cannot block. And to me, it's still a risky pick in Jamar Chase. Yeah. I understand the upside. People are killing me with that. I get it. You don't have to DM me anymore about Jamar Chase. Ooh. I'm in on that. But I'm still worried about the protection of Joe Burrow and what that's going to be like. Yeah. Some of you can still DM him because you just heard him drop the sweet dreams. He is still looking for sweet dreams that are made of this. Who am I to disagree? <laughs> Maddie's traveled the world and the seven seas. Everybody's looking for something. Uh, Tom Brady has had quite a quite a post-Super Bowl time. Suddenly his personality is bursting at the seams. Uh, first, the drunken escapade, and now he's having fun at his old coach's expense and at old teammate's expense. I'll explain next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Whatever you're doing right now, just know that Bo Bishop is enjoying a sip of bourbon. Even if this promo is playing in the morning, no judgment. Ah, sweet morning drinking. The fan. They're both former athletes for a reason. Good thing they can talk sports. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. All right, guys, going to encourage you again to make your health a priority. It's easier than you think at Low T Center. Reinventing the doctor's visit. It's quick. It's easy. You're going to get all your levels checked, not just your testosterone. They offer a comprehensive health assessment, so you know all the numbers important to your health. So if you've been ignoring this, going to the doctor stuff, and you've been using the pandemic as your excuse not to pay attention to your health, like everything's on pause, it's time to hit play on your health. And so if you've been feeling down, it's time to get out of this thing. You know, springtime. And if you've noticed the weight gain and you've been sitting around, sedentary lifestyle, just hanging out at home, it's time to get going. Get your uh, complete and comprehensive health assessment at Low T Center. They're going to help determine the cause of your symptoms, help you get back to feeling your best. It starts with that. And it's covered by most health insurance. So there's really no excuse anymore. Follow my lead, Low T Center. Uh, concierge medicine exclusively for us dudes. And they now offer monitored self-injected home tea treatments if you need it. So there's the convenience and the safety. Self-injected home, only 135 a month for self-pay. But like I said, covered by most insurance. Schedule your health assessment now. Go to LowTCenter.com. LowTCenter, reinventing men's health care. We'll have Kyle Krabs on 133, director of scouting for DraftNet. And he will he will really grind on, on the tape for these guys. He'll, he'll be able to tell us um, if CN is believing. You know what? I, I can't. Because I know we hit on the Bengals. Mm-hmm. The one guy I can't wait to ask him about for the Brownies is Jeremiah Wusu Koromo. Mm-hmm. Because when they made that pick in the second round, ton of buzz, ton of, oh my goodness, can't mm-hmm. believe they got them in that spot. And that's a guy that we had talked about on the show when we were talking about what they could do. And all of us dropped different names. And, you know, we were all kind of on the defensive side of the ball. But I can't wait to ask him about that, AR. Is he a backer was, or safety, Matty? They, well, that's the thing. Like, he's got a little bit of both in him. Okay. He's done some things. He covered in the slot. So I think you really like that based off of what we heard about what Joe Woods wants to do with the def- defensive flexibility and a ton of DBs on the field at the same time. And then you got you get a guy like that that can help you out on the second level and maybe get into the slot and cover them some things as well. ton of excitement around that pick for Brownies fans and amongst people that analyze these prospects. And a lot of people thought that was a steal. So can't wait to mm-hmm. hear his take on that. Yeah, he can, be- he can belt dudes. He can absolutely belt them. And his range will be something really versatile for the Browns. It's so nice when you can make a draft pick like that, right? 
when you can float between backer and safety. Like, I just think they have the luxury now. It's so nice to see the Browns not have to pigeonhole themselves into a certain position, certain pick, certain spot, right? It's just so nice that they can have that luxury. Yeah. Um, so we'll ask him about that, and we'll see if uh, this dude's going to live up to it being a game changer, which is what they think he can be yep. in this NFL. But, you know, because, you know, I know they've kind of tabbed him as a positionless player, but I, I think that's there's a negative connotation to that, and I, I actually think there's a positive well, yeah, on the right just- team. I think that's that's what I want is I yeah. want guys that can cover multiple guys and be able to line up in the slot, maybe cover a tight end or come down in the box and blitz off the edge and fill a hole there in the run game. Like I like guys that can do more, and I think that's kind of what we're looking at here. So their first two picks on the defensive side of the football, Greg Newsom buzzing from Northwestern. You get him there at selection number 26. That protects you a little bit from the Greedy Williams experiment and Denzel Ward's health and all of that stuff. And then Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa, you get a piece that you can move around around and certain down and distances like I'm all in on that I love it when Edelman retired we did a lot on that because I think he's got great moments as we know in football history and I I, I was the one that told you I, I don't care to have this debate about whether he's a Hall of Famer or not I don't because I think it's negative and I don't think that I think if you're a borderline Hall of Famer you get the treatment on sports radio and TV like somehow you failed you got close enough, but you couldn't get in there. No, no, he's not a Hall of Famer. What are you talking about? He sucks. What? Like, that's so oxymoronic to talk about a guy who's borderline Hall of Famer and just treat it as he's not worth having that discussion. So I didn't want to have it. And what the funny part about the story now, though, is is he was on with McAfee, and he talked about Brady um, and the relationship. And I guess, did you see this, Maddie? when Edelman was with uh, Deion Sanders and Michael Strahan and Kevin Hart, our guy Kevin Hart, Mark Wahlberg was on this, and Brady said during the, the Zoom, we know Julian didn't retire. Let's be honest. <laughs> and then he drops a, he's just too scared to tell Belichick he wants to come to Tampa. I've been there. Oh, no, I did see this. Now, he added, he was joking about, you know, it's 20 seasons. And McAfee said that Edelman didn't didn't deny Brady's claim. And he didn't answer on the broadcast. Instead, he kind of like poked fun at Tommy's little springtime shirt he was wearing, like something with white stripes. And um, So he had to come out today or yesterday and say, now it's over. So he said, he tweeted, Edelman just tweeted, ain't going anywhere, bubs. Uh, his lawyer... The the whole hashtag Foxborough forever, um, you can't probably use that and then come out of retirement right away and go to Tampa. But what do you, you know, I always subscribe to the phrase, there's a little truth to everything. Do you think that Brady was 90% kidding, 10% serious? I'm like not, that, he, that he didn't want to have to tell Bill that I don't want to be there anymore, that I want to go with my boy Tommy and have some fun again? I'm not listening to either one of these yeah. guys, Jules or Tommy, when it comes to this AR, because they tried to do this to us before a few years ago. You remember the game where Julian Edelman, I think they were at a Syracuse basketball game, and it's Julian Edelman, it's Tom Brady, it looks like they were sitting close to courtside, and Julian Edelman looks in the camera and says, he's coming back, he's coming back, yeah, right. and what's Tom end up doing? He ends up playing for Tampa. So he did I, it to I, him. Exactly. Right. So I'm not listening to either one of these guys when it comes to this. 
And I'm with you. I think also the hashtag Foxborough Forever stuff, he's doing some stuff online on yeah. his website. He's selling some t-shirts or whatever, too. So right now, you're home for hockey and hounds. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back in. I was really looking forward to having this dude on today when we talk about the draft. And when we go to Kyle Krabs now, uh, he will grade it out for us. Uh Kyle is uh, grinding the tape, director of scouting for the Draft Network, and he's here on behalf of BetOnline.ag. Kyle, good to have you. Thanks for having me, guys. It's uh, always fun to see how the dust settles. So yeah. Look forward to chat with you. Yeah, so this is the question that I want to ask you about Panay Sewell. Do you believe that Cincinnati doesn't believe that he is a future Hall of Famer? Or do you feel like that they were confident enough in, in band-aiding their offensive line to give them the luxury of reunited, reuniting Joe back with Jamar Chase? Like, how could they pass on Sewell unless they don't feel he is as strong as people say? Uh, it, I guess the other, the, the shoe being on the other foot is seeing just how effective Joe Burrow was with a chemistry perspective throwing to Jamar Chase. If it would have been my decision. Uh, yeah, I probably would have drafted Penny Sewell. I, I don't think Penny Sewell is a, a can't-miss generational talent, but uh, I also don't feel that way necessarily about Jamar Chase. They're both excellent prospects. They were both inside my top uh, six six or seven prospects in this year's draft. So very, very, very good football players. Uh, but, but for Cincinnati, and especially with uh, the injury that Joe Burrow suffered, and I understand that they felt as though there was depth later in the draft that they would be able to come back to, uh, along the offensive line, so make sure that they got some pieces put together there. But you look at the three that they drafted. They got Jackson Carmen at 46. Uh, they got Dante Smith from East Carolina at 139. And then they got Trey Hill from Georgia at 190. Um, Carmen's going to have to start for them when he's drafted that high. But uh, projecting him presumably inside to guard, I, I didn't think that was necessarily great value at that point in the draft. And you saw some teams like the Miami Dolphins traded up from 50 to go up and get Liam Eikenberg. So, you know, maybe this strategy wasn't necessarily how they envisioned it playing out in a perfect world, but we'll see how it played out with their evaluation process once they get these guys in-house. Kyle, I wanted to hit you up on Cleveland, man. Uh, you know, we talked so much uh, before the draft about the defensive side of the football, and we were locking in on some prospects, and we brought up the name Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, but, you know, they, they ended up going Greg Newsom, which was fine, and I don't think a lot of people were expecting them to get JOK there in the second round. Your thoughts on that selection and the fit inside of the Browns' defense this upcoming year? Well, I, think, I think it's great value of not – trying to make things harder than they have to be and I'm sure for some people it was well is he is he a big safety is it a small linebacker I think it's ironic you know you think about the Browns and and this regime that they have in place with Andrew Barry and um, you know they, they went out and they got Anthony Walker but linebacker hasn't been like super pressing for them so I just th- I think it's a little funny that the guy that they end up getting uh, at the linebacker position who's going to be really good for them is a guy who's not a true stereotypical linebacker. He's a guy who's more of a coverage guy more than anything else. And that's the way the game is played these days. So I was stunned to see Uwusu Kormo fall this far down in the draft. And it's a great kudos to Cleveland and the roster that they're building that they could take advantage of a best player available situation, which I genuinely believe he was at that point in time. And, uh, you know, for a team that, that wants to be able to play in Southern, wants to be able to play with a lot of versatility to be able to match personnel, whether you're coming out in 12 personnel or, or 10 personnel, Owusu Cormo can stay on the field. And, and that's excellent value for them at that point in the draft. Kyle Krabs with us, Director of Scouting at the Draft Network. 
lead editor also at the Dolphins Wire. All right, so let's go to the San Francisco pick here because it was the most, uh, I guess, not controversial, but they controlled everything right there. And then right. so the Bears go up and, and, and get Justin Fields after he dropped. Did you agree with this pick for San Francisco, and how, how much did it surprise you that they didn't take what was being billed as the plug-and-play Mac Jones? Uh, I'm glad cooler heads prevailed as far as the Mac Jones hype, and I know Kyle Shanahan kind of alluded to uh, somebody along the way in media took the bait, and everybody just kind of ran with it as far as uh, Mac Jones and the parallels to some of the other Shanahan quarterbacks that he has had, whether that's uh, the interest that they had in Kirk Cousins or anything else. Uh, So I was expecting it to be one of the more athletic, dynamic quarterbacks. You know, that, that was always such a hard sell for me to give up three first-round picks to go get Mac Jones. For it to be Trey Lance, I completely understand why it was the pick. Um, and, and all 32 teams have their different criteria on things that they're looking for. From a big-picture view, I liked Justin Fields more than Trey Lance personally. Uh, but this was really the domino piece where had – San Francisco picked Matt Jones, then Atlanta potentially takes Trey Lance at four. They were rumored to be really interested in Trey Lance. I know another couple of teams there in the back half of the top 10 really like Trey Lance as well. So you could have seen the entirety of the top 10 shake out dramatically different because then uh, Miami goes with Kyle Pitts if he's on the board for them at six, presumably. And, and Detroit, would they have taken Trey Lance if he fell to set? Like, it's this is the fun part of the NFL draft is these pivot points in San Francisco going with Trey Lance really changed probably a lot of teams' plans on Thursday night. Yeah, makes sense. Absolutely. I want to ask you about some of these other quarterbacks that got scooped up this weekend and maybe one fit that you really like. Trask locks up with Tom Brady and Aarons, Kellen Mond, Minnesota, Davis Mills in H-Town, and Ian Book in, in New Orleans. Do you like any of those locations for these guys coming out of college? Yeah, I, I like Trask to Tampa. Uh, I acknowledge that Trask doesn't have the most dynamic physical skill set, but then he played in an offense that had really good playmakers, had two top 20 picks in it with Kadarius Tony and Kyle Pitts in this year's draft. But uh, you think about the opportunity for him to continue to develop his game. You know, he sat for a really long time. He sat like all of high school, finally gets a chance to start. He beats out Felipe Franks, has an excellent season this past year, but doesn't have the strongest of arms. He's not the most mobile guy. Well, you know, that often seems to be working out okay. And, and even if you exclude the, the turnovers with Jameis Winston, Jameis Winston wasn't the most dynamic athlete or the strongest of throwers either. So uh, I think Trask, you get him in there, you let him sit for a few years, and maybe he's finally the guy who gets drafted to replace Tom Brady, who actually has a chance to take over with a Tom Brady retirement at some point. So I like that he's not going to get pushed into action too early, and I really like it from the perspective of Tampa Bay brought every starter back on a Super Bowl-winning team. So what do you get that team? Well, they went out and got a bunch of special teams guys. They got a pass rusher, and they got a potential long-term quarterback to groom for a few years. So based on what picks they had at their disposal and what snaps were going to be available for players in 2021, I like that decision a lot. Uh, You can follow him on Twitter at GrindingTheTape. He's Kyle Krabs. Uh, betonline.ag as well. We'll go over some odds in a quick minute here, but I want to take you know 30 seconds to a minute to talk about the Steelers. Didn't have a lot of cap space to re-sign or add a lot of talent. This was a, a very need-based draft. They wound up taking the running back in Najee Harris. They took tight end Pat Fryermuth and the center, Kendrick Green. So it's almost like they really went heavy on need, but did you like who they got? 
Uh, I probably would have tried to find another opportunity to get an offensive line starter earlier than Kendrick Green. I think Kendrick Green can be a good starting center at the NFL level. Uh, but you think about Villanueva, free agent. Uh, Matt Filer left. He signed in with the Chargers. Pouncey retired. Like, they, they have a lot of needs up front. And to, to take Kendrick Green in the third and then get another offensive lineman from, from A&M, Dan Moore, in the fourth, I just don't know if they did enough when you consider how limited Big Ben was last year and how much they had to really just kind of cater their offense to just getting the ball out of his hands quick. So, uh, you know, I understand you can't ride it on Ben all in anymore, but to draft the running back first and, and not sure who the blockers are in front of them, that's going to be the big chemistry experiment for Pittsburgh to figure out if they're going to be able to compete again this year or not. Kyle, I know you do some things with the Dolphins. I just wanted to ask you about your confidence in Tua because I know there's some people that didn't necessarily like everything they saw from him. But, man, I think that's kind of a tough situation to walk in as a young guy, and I like some of the names that they brought on board uh, this offseason throughout the draft. Where are you right now with with Tua and and what the Dolphins are are currently trying to build around a young quarterback? Well, like you just said there, I think what they're trying to build is going to be able to tell us quite a bit because they – were really limited last year as far as playmakers on the outside, and that was even before Preston Williams got hurt and Devontae Parker got laid up and missed almost a month with a hamstring issue. So uh, getting Will Fuller and then adding Jalen Waddle to it for two guys who are legit 4-2, 4-3 guys, and you think about how the Alabama offense with two in 2018 ran pushing the ball vertically down the field, a lot of four verts. Dolphins almost never ran four verts last year. They just didn't have guys that could attack you down the field unless it was Gasecki up the team. So uh, I think this year will be a really telling year for Tua. Everybody talks about the year one, the year two leap, getting two, four, two, four, three explosive playmakers. It's going to help the run game. It's going to help spacing, and it should help Tua play more confidently in 2021. All right, Kyle, final 30 seconds. Name me a offensive rookie of the year. Man, it's hard to go against Trevor Lawrence. He's going to have the opportunities there for him. Expectations are going to be high. He's going to have everything tailored to him with Urban Meyer. I like his opportunity to come in and produce well right away. If you didn't go with him, would you go with Fields or someone else? I would probably Fields. They, they talk about how they want to do the, the Patrick Mahomes thing and Andy Dalton mm-hmm. start. I refuse to believe it. I refuse. Like your jobs are on the line if you're Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. So he's going to see the field sooner rather than later. And I think he will have the opportunity with Matt Nagy as a play caller to really blow things up from game to game. It's just going to be a consistency thing with him. And your prediction on defensive rookie of the year? I like Jalen Phillips from, mm-hmm. from Miami, top, top pass rusher. The opportunity is there. He's going in a Brian Flores defense that likes to get really exotic and move people around, and he showed it. Uh, Phillips showed it with the Hurricanes. He can do that. So they have a need for kind of a standout pass rusher, and I thought his tape was the best 2020 tape from any defensive prospect in this year's class. So give me Jalen Phillips. Great stuff. Kyle Krabs, Director of Scouting for the Draft Network. Also those odds courtesy of betonline.ag. Good to have you. Keep grinding that tape, and we'll keep you on speed dial, Kyle. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me. Take care. You got it, Kyle. Kyle was on the Bryant Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. The funny thing about um, the dude he just mentioned, uh, Phillips, they got him at 18, and they passed on the dude my Vikes got at left tackle, Christian Derrissaw. Yeah. Like they, that was the interesting part about Miami because I, when when the Vikings made that trade, I wasn't that big big fan of it. I thought, oh my goodness, you were going to lose him, and they got him. 
But they got him because the fish passed on him and took Jalen Phillips. No doubt. Kid right in their backyard, right? Miami Hurricanes guy. I'm sure they felt really good about, you know, getting him in their building. But so much conversation around Buffalo coming back. So much conversation about Zach Wilson and the Patriots and all of that stuff. Miami Dolphins won 10 games a year ago with inconsistencies there at the quarterback position. If Tua hits and they get all these reinforcements healthy out there on the field, and these young guys come along, Miami Dolphins are going to be a handful. Double-digit Buckeyes going in the draft. We'll run them down for you next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Keeping you entertained with our vast selection of hot takes and play-by-play for over 25 years. Proud to be your home of the Buckeyes, the fan, Ohio sports destination. Rothman and Ice present... Sponsored by Logan AC and Heat Services. Don't go through another air conditioner breakdown. For fast, friendly service, call the experts at Logan Services now for a free estimate and next day air installation. All right, Buckeye Bolton time. Not lost on anybody is the fact that the two teams that played for the national title led all schools with 10 players drafted each. Ohio State and Alabama. Four more bucks chosen on Saturday. Gave a total of 10 the eighth time in Ohio State history that at least 10 have been picked. Tommy Togiai was the first Buckeye off the board on Saturday if you were locked in going to CB's Cleveland Browns mm. in the fourth round with the 132nd overall pick. Two more Buckeyes went in the fifth round. Luke Farrell, 145 to Urban Meyer's Jacksonville Jaguars. And Sean Wade went to the Baltimore Ravens, Maddie's Ravens, with the 160th overall pick. And there's no getting around the fact that he would have gone a lot higher if he would have left. But I think, and we've hit on this, it's hard not to admire the fact that that dude came back to try to increase his draft stock, to throw some courage out there to play outside, played dinged, but there's no way getting around the fact that the mystery around him on whether he could be a lockdown corner, if he would have left the previous year and not opted back in, that he would have made a lot more money. Now, did he go to a did he go to a spot where he can prove people wrong? Yeah, to go back to the inside a little bit, sure. But 160 to the Ravens, maybe you got a hell of a value. Could be, could be a big time value, and you know, you, you heard Sean Wade do some talking over the weekend, and you know, you brought up something he mentioned there that he was dinged up, and you know, dealing with some stuff, and obviously that's going to happen. Football players play dinged up all the time, and I'm sure some guys obviously can't put out their best performance just due to how their body was feeling, but. The fit part of it is what intrigued me because I did catch part of his interview on the NFL Network and he was asked about the outside versus inside thing and he said, yeah, more comfortable inside. That's where I get busy. That's where you see the best Sean Wade. So you talk about him now transferring that over to Baltimore where they got two Pro Bowl corners on the outside and Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey. Maybe we do see a rejuvenated in the old Sean Wade back in that role because that's where he was when you had Damon Arnett and Jeff Okuda and some names that got highly drafted on the outside from that Ohio State team. So it's a fascinating place. The stock of this guy obviously fell due to this season, but I think he's in a landing spot now where X and O wise, he can be comfortable because they got guys on the outside that have to handle the Odell Beckhams of the world, the Chase Claypools of the world, and all those big-time wide receivers that we know inside of the AFC North. All right, let me run them down for you. Uh, Fields first rounder, 11 overall to the Bears. Second round, Pete Werner, 60th overall, picked to New Orleans. 
think we had that, the fact that we... Now, there was a lot of noise about him going in the first round. I didn't think he would, but he went 60th. Uh, Josh Myers went 62nd overall, so right after him to the Packers. Uh, Wyatt Davis, a lot of question about the knee going overall to my Vikes at 86. Third round, I think there's definite value there. And then Trey Sermon. We were waiting to hear Trey's name. We got it at 88 to the Niners. Yeah, where they just committee that thing, and I, I almost that's a great spot for him. It is, man. That's exactly what I thought. Absolutely. You talk about Trey Sermon getting attached to a head coach who all the time loves to run the football, Shanahan, his dad. Like We hear so much about that offense and what they do, and we've seen guys, like you mentioned, over the last couple of years that may have been not have been household names coming into the year really turn into some names you recognize because they run the ball uh, behind an offensive line uh, that's on a Kyle Shanahan-led team. So I can't wait to see what this looks like for Trey Sermon. I think it's a really good fit. I also like where Baron Browning's mm-hmm. going out to Denver because we talked about Pete Werner and Baron Browning get a lot of love, uh, a lot of buzz around them closer to the first round of the draft. Uh, but now you get Baron Browning inside of a really good defense already, and he is attached to a head coach that has a lot of defensive stuff that, that he does very well in Vic Fangio. So I like both fits there when you talk about Trey Sermon going to the Rocky Mountains and Trey Sermon going out there to kick it with Trey Lance and Kyle Shanahan. I really like those fits. And finally, Jonathan Cooper, 239 overall, also to the Broncos, fifth round. So there you go. There are the cool video too, man. Cool video. The kids from his neighborhood coming to show him some love, and I had to imagine uh, that feels yeah. really good. So that was really good to see a local guy uh, getting selected. Now he'll get to go out to Denver. Hey, not a bad place to learn, AR, when you got Von Miller in the same room as you every day. No doubt. Good point. That is today's Buckeye Bulletin. So we'll come back top of the hour. We'll hit a Sports Center update here. Uh, we'll come back and talk about this Rogers fiasco and how. It went from, I'm never going back to Lambeau to, well, maybe I will if you make a change at the top. We'll go into that. And then Justin Fields, when will he start? How does he feel about it? You'll hear next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Most shows just skim the surface, but Rothman and Ice feel like the biggest story of the day deserves a closer look. It's time for A Deeper Dive. Sponsored by United Dairy Farmers. Miss filling up before gas prices went up? Get UDF slow price lock with U-Drive. All right, welcome back in third hour. Flying by here on a Monday, Rothman and Ice. Anthony Rothman, Matty Ice, CB. In his saddle, we'll do a little... Buffet, a little Jimmy Buffet action here for the deep dive. We'll get to Rodgers in a minute, but you heard in the update with Eric about Jameson Williams announcing his transfer to Bama uh, today over social media. Now, I wasn't, I know this is being billed as if you can't beat him, join him. Um, I understand the headline. It's because presumably you're leaving Ohio State because you want to get volume. You can't take a chance on going somewhere and not getting the football. Which is why, even though, Maddie, I wasn't buying that he could ever go to Michigan. Like, that to me was like, wait a minute. You're going to play against him? And and who knows who's going to be really able to throw you the football? Now, I guess you could go full volume there and say, well, if I'm the best of the best on this team, I'm going to get the football. But, you know, he had a sophomore year, nine catches, a couple touchdowns. And he had one catch during the championship game against Bama. And this is a pretty interesting move by him. He was a, almost a top 10 wideout 
in the 2019 class. Um, he does have three years left, so it doesn't have to be right away, you know. And uh, Nick Saban kind of did the the conch shell. Uh, I need speedy receiver, you know, alert, you know, calling all speedy receivers, and he could be that guy. And and Saban said, I think speed kills on the football field and on the highway. I love to have speed guys. We have some big guys, but we got to get some speed guys too. Now they really say that he did. Yeah, I was like, dude, why take it there? Yeah, he Um, and Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, by the way, Kyle Shanahan, we made it past Sunday. Just to let you know. By the way, wasn't it funny that some of his players called him and said, "Hey, I'm I'm good. I made it. (laughs) I'm alive. We're we're here, big dog." Uh, You know, I a quick moment on that. I actually liked his explanation on that. I think he got caught up. I think he was just. A little irritated, a um, lot of tension, going to a draft, monster decision, and I'll read it for you in a little bit. And I, and I know that I'm not taking him off the hook completely because I, you know, he, he took it to a place he didn't have to. But you could give him a, a human moment there. When you hear his explanation, maybe you'll buy into it like I did. But Bama lost a pair of top ten dudes, uh, lost Devontae Smith, lost the Heisman winner, lost Jalen Waddle, and this is the second straight year they saw a first round duo leave. Rugs and Judy. And so, I mean, they just churn through first-round receivers. So if Jameson Williams says, hey, it's a crowded room, it's a crowded room, but I'm going to take my chance to go to Bama, and that way I can check every box except the one that I thought he wanted to guarantee, which is make sure he gets the football. Got to do what you got to do. Got to, yeah, I totally understand why, why you pick a, a squad like Alabama. They offer so much. They'll be on TV a ton. And what you touched on, I'm sure, is a large portion of that is what left that Alabama wide receiving room. And there's some guys that are obviously talented. We all were warming up to the name Mechie last year. John Mechie the third. Absolutely. That started popping up. And I'm sure we'll see his name pop up a ton this year as a guy that's probably going to step up to have to really embrace a larger role. But I totally understand why Jamison Williams would want to go there, man. Ton of talent there. You know, in the quarterback room, they're going to have somebody ready to roll to follow Mac Jones. And there's a ton of receptions up in the air. And he has a very rare skill set that's always, to me, going to grab the attention of any coach no matter where he went and that is that electrifying speed that he presents so I totally get this and I'm hoping that he goes out there and balls out man because this is just what you deal with when you, you're talking Ohio State and these big brands mm-hmm. is not everybody's going to be able to get an opportunity and you got to go somewhere that makes a lot of sense and I think it checks all the opportunities eyeballs reps that left the building and Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle, and now you get to do what you feel that you can do as a confident dude so no when I saw him, you know, pick Alabama, I was not surprised at all, and I won't be shocked at all if we see him making noise down there in Tuscaloosa. No, I'm not here to tell you that it's a bad move. He's going to Bama. Like, I get it. He's he's hopping on the bullet train to Championshipville too. Like, but you're leaving Ohio State, where presumably you thought you were getting kind of caught as a tweener in this offense. And now you're going into an offense that is bringing back their second leading receiver, the guy you mentioned, Mechie. Uh, Slay Bolden's coming back. He started when Waddle was out. Uh, they had a lot of dudes this spring. They brought in four rivals 100 receivers in this class. Like, you're kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul here. Well, those I'm, guys I'm, might not be ready. They, those guys might not they be may ready. not be. And here's the deal. And you're right. That's a good point. And I don't know how much Saban... You know, we all, when guys transfer, especially quarterbacks, remember when Burrow transferred to LSU? 
We're all like, oh, Coach O had to promise him. Had to have promised him. You cannot guess. You cannot take that move and guess. Um, and so I'm just, it's one of those things where you're wondering, um, and it's just you hope that he gets what he's going after. Here's what we know. Here's what we know. It's a lot cleaner than the wide receiver room at Ohio State. A lot cleaner. Because at the top, their situation right now looked the way it did for, I'm sure, young receivers last year at Alabama, where they're looking up at Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle and saying, man, I, I don't know where I'm going to fit in. And now you look up at the depth chart here, and it's Olave and Garrett Wilson and all the other young guys that people are excited about, but mainly the first two names. Those guys are going to eat a ton. So I think you look at that Alabama depth chart, even with a Mechie there, we don't know if Mechie's ready to step up and be what we saw in Jalen Waddle before he got hurt and what we saw from Devontae Smith mm-hmm. for an entire season. Yeah. So I, I do get it, and I have to imagine they had to have a conversation like you're touching on. Not promising him any reps or anything, but I do think when you sit down with a coach you can get a good feel about what they want from you and the opportunity that is there and maybe it's just his specific skill set is something that they're looking at Nick Saban Mm -hmm. saying hey I see a little bit of that Devontae Smith speed maybe he can't run all the same routes as Devontae but we saw what that did for Alabama's offense where they could balance that out with the run game of Najee Harris they could take you over the top with some speedsters so I won't be surprised if he's making noise relatively soon yeah no I think it's I think you're right I think there's a chance that there's a little bit of everything thing in this move there's a little bit of i'm not going to sit around and wonder i'm not going to sit around and guess whether i can be the guy or one of the guys i think alave coming back certainly had a lot to do with this Mm -hmm. and the fact that he's going to go to a great team with a chance to do what he wanted to do here you just hope that he doesn't swing and miss and get caught in the middle there too and it's an offense, too, like like you mentioned, man, with those names. They're replacing a ton. Starting quarterback, yeah. starting running back, first-round pick in Alex Leatherwood, which surprised mm-hmm. people out to the Raiders along that offensive line. I can't remember off the top of my head where Landon Dickerson went, mm-hmm. but I believe he was a second-round pick yeah. this weekend, too. So that's an offense that lost everybody. Everybody's gone. Mm-hmm. So he's got an opportunity, man, because I think the slate's probably relatively clean down there for Nick Saban and everybody else. Not only that, they lost their their OC. Sark. And Sark. Right. There you go. Right. Head coach of <laughs> Texas. Lost, so lose players. Yeah. They also lost a coach. Ton of turnover, no doubt. Yeah. They figure it out though. Last time I checked. Oh, Last yeah. time I checked Bama, they tend they tend to figure things out year yeah, to year. Part, yeah, they're definitely part yeah. of the reload club. I think that's safe yeah. to say. And no Bryce reload. Young is the, was the number one dual threat quarterback prospect in the country. Sure. Sure. And so, and their running okay. backs are there, and yeah, Repl- replacing Waddle and and Devante, that's not easy. Meche, Meche, and and Bolden are next in line, and maybe Jameson does feel like I fit pretty well here. I can jump in. So, yeah. um, that you know what? Maybe he did check most of the boxes. Now that we work through it. Here's the thing, AR. I don't think you make a move like that unless you're confident you're getting on the field, right? We saw Mookie Cooper leave Ohio State and go to Missouri. Now, look, I don't know a ton about Missouri's football and what they're bringing back like we do about Alabama, but I'm sure Mookie Cooper looked at that and said, oh, I can go play him. I can go play right now at Missouri. I don't think you're making a decision to go to Alabama if you're going to run yourself into a situation that you were just at Ohio State. So I think he's really confident in his ability, and I think he's probably heard some things about the opportunity that he's going to have right out of the gate that he probably be liked uh aaron Rodgers has gone pretty hard line here with his demands and he wants them met i I think if you're a packer fan this is savable now with a sacrifice really with a sacrifice 
And you know, there's not one Packer fan out there that thinks they wouldn't trade their GM for their quarterback. It's a no. Problem. Like it's just weird the way it's come off here um, when you're talking about what's happening with uh, with Aaron Rodgers because at first it was like. He's done. There's no way. Like he's not even going back to Wisconsin. This isn't. He's not even coming back in a Winnebago. He's not even zipping in, zipping out in an urban assault vehicle. Mm. Like Goody, as they call him up there, Brian oh, Goody. 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 <laughs> Goody found Jari Alexander. That's a. That's a. That his first ever draft pick was a Pro Bowl corner. Like I'm not telling you that that they didn't prioritize for Rodgers because they didn't. But it's not like he was trying to sabotage the team. And I thought about this over the weekend. Maybe when you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers who makes everything happen and you get this complacency and this luxury of knowing that I don't need to draft first-round receivers. He makes middle-round picks play like first-rounders. So you know what? I'm going to go other places. Jerry Alexander. Uh, they got uh, the offensive lineman, Jenkins, from 20. Really good. Second, Second round. Jenkins? Uh, is it El- Elton? El- oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. You're yeah. right. Um, Rashawn Gary, Darnell Savage. Guys, these guys contribute. But guess what, AR? Guess what, what Aaron Rodgers is hearing? None of those guys help me out. Well, what he's hearing, well, I, see, I'll, I'll disagree and I'll tell you why. I don't think that's it. Oh, I, I 100% think no, no. that's it. Well, like, I'm, he's looking around, he's looking around at Tom Brady and saying, that's what I one. No, no. I'm see, that's tell the mindset that's got them in this position is what you said. That's why I think he's irritated because they do think that way, that he solves all the answers. They're looking at mm-hmm. Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones just saying, and we got Aaron Rodgers, and that's enough. And I think he's looking at it the complete other way. He's saying, yeah, I've been doing that for the longest time. Let's load up mm-hmm. on the back nine of my career, and let's make it easier for everybody. I'm That's not, what I think he's Okay, thinking. I'm not saying he wouldn't like talent at the positions that he can use. So, But I want to get your reaction to this. This is my point of the whole thing. I don't believe Aaron Rodgers pulls this power play if they don't draft Jordan Love while he's in the damn building. I'm telling you. I, I'm not saying behind the scenes he doesn't play his games. But I don't think he goes public with, I'm never going back to Lambeau. I'm pretty sure that if Jordan Love isn't drafted, we're not having this conversation as publicly as he's having it. Do you agree with that? Of course I agree with that. Okay, well that's, agrees and that's what that. I'm saying. That's why, that's what that's I'm why saying. we're having not these conversations. About, it's not only about that you didn't draft me a first-round receiver. It's you but drafted it, my replacement. That's what's got him so ticked off. No, I think – and I, but I, here's why I kind of go the other way now, because I think they also didn't circle back and run and get him any other playmakers last year either. I think the blow is a lot easier to handle if you take Jordan Love, but you also say, okay, Aaron, here's what we're going to do. Second and third round, we're getting you some playmakers. And that's what I'm saying. He's looking at A.J. Dillon on the sideline like, that dude has not helped me at all. And then you bring back Aaron Jones. So what are we really doing to help me out on the offensive side of the of the football? And there hasn't been a lot of evidence there. It's been ten years. No, I know. Since they haven't they haven't spent a first round pick on, on an offensive player outside of Jordan Love within no. the last decade. Yeah. And this guy is saying, I'm so good that if you guys bring just a little bit more juice in here, we can get this thing done. And that's the reason why I can't feel bad. For Goody in the front office, and mm-hmm. I'm with Aaron Rodgers because they did this. He didn't do this. They decided to make a bonehead decision and try to outsmart everyone and thought Aaron Rodgers was closer to the end than he really was. So they made this mess, and they got to clean it up, and that's why I'm rolling with Rodgers on this.
the thing about Goody is, and he came out swinging, which I like. He he wants obviously wants him to stay. Everyone would want him to stay, but he said, "Well, Aaron, if Aaron wants to be fired, he hasn't said anything to me." Well, I, my answer to that is he probably won't. He's leaving you on red. He don't want to he, talk he, to you guys. That's why. right. He he's not the one that's he talks to people that can fire you, not the one that he wants fired. Now, is it unfair to put it all on him? Did they miscalculate? Of course they did. And it's probably going to cost him a legendary quarterback. But I'm just telling you that it's not like this dude has swung and missed everywhere he's gone, like as far as with the picks. And it's not about it's not about the swing and missing to me. It's about the some these some organizations like the Packers stuck in their old ways and just thinking they can do whatever they want to do and treat mm-hmm. players like robots. And I think it's even a bigger conversation than the Packers. I think it's where we are in the NFL, where guys that are faces of franchises are no longer just going to mm-hmm. lay down and allow the organization yeah. to do whatever they want. These guys are using their power now in the NFL, and I think it's rocking the sport a little bit. Certain guys can. He's one of them. He's one of them. But he's going to have to own this. Roger, he, Rogers is going to have to own this now. What's owning it? What's Out loud. It? I'll stay if you fire the GM. Okay. I'm in on that. Right. Like if this, if this is the report that's out there, then Aaron's going to have to confirm it once the dust settles from the derby and all that, and the, the party. Now he's going to have to come back. decision to me. You want out? You want out? Then this is where it's going. And then they can start their, their love affair what, with Jordan. Let me ask you that real quick. Yeah. What, what scenario are you worried about haunts you more? Aaron Rodgers leaving or a young GM? Come on. There you go. So it's an easy decision for ownership. Yeah. He's signed through 2023, though, and has a $37 million cap hit for this season. So it would have to be after June 1 anyway. So we're going to be talking about this for another month. All right, we'll come back with Truth, Rothman, and Ice on the fan. One guy is fat. The other is fatter. And both are kind of stupid. Pretty much sums up the whole show. Uh-huh. Common Man and Tebow. Oh. Weekdays from 3 to 6. The Fan. Tell the truth with Rothman and Ice. All right, CB. I get to stare right at you when you say this. Yes, I'm not used to this. <laughs> All right, so our first one's actually going to be our daily sample from oh. Ryker Kia. It's which Ohio team had the best draft this weekend? Well, they're close, aren't they? Well, I don't know. I don't view them as All close. Right, go, jump in. I think it's the Browns all day long for mm-hmm. me. Like, I think I got some questions about what Cincinnati is going on. When I get past Jamar Chase... Mm-hmm. You know, I, I got questions, man. We, t- we talked about that earlier, but I, I'm leaning with the Browns. I absolutely love their first two picks, Greg, Greg Newsom II and Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. And I also like Anthony Schwartz coming out of Auburn as a speedster. We had kind of hints about them wanting to go out and maybe get a guy mm-hmm. in that wide receiver room, and they do that, and I like the trait that he brings because that's what we talked about all offseason is they need a little bit more juice in that wide receiver room. So their first three picks, I thought they absolutely crushed it and then get a local guy and Tommy Togiai, who can be in the middle of your defensive lineman with Miles Garrett and all the names that they brought in this offseason. To me, I thought the Browns had a much better draft than the Bengals. I thought that certainly the Browns are going to get an A for most people. Uh, uh, you know, Tennessee grabbing Farley allowed the Browns to get a almost better and healthier dude in Greg Newsom at 26. So, uh, they once they nailed that, it was all good. And like you said, I don't know why Jeremiah Usukoromo was kind of the free falling backer safety, but they got him. And Anthony Schwartz is certainly a boomer bust speed receiver, so they get an A. What I meant by close is not that one was an A and one was a C. Like I don't look at Cincinnati that way. I think they were you know B to B plus depending on. I mean, 
if Jamar Chase wins NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year, well then, it's closer than you think. Now, Jackson Carmen, that third-round pick, Joseph Asai, you get a pass rusher there. CB informed me that the Browns had him on their radar. So I look at this probably A to B with Cincinnati's potential to be B-plus if Chase lives up to it. And that, my boy, is a damn truth. All right, so behind the Packers, the teams with the best odds to land Aaron Rodgers are the Broncos and Raiders. So I want to ask you, which of those two teams are the better fit? I don't care because either location, we win. Either location, we win because we're getting Aaron Rodgers inside the AFC West. That's why I don't care. I think both locations have some young playmakers I think are very appealing to him. But for us as fans, this is a straight-up dub. The streets need Aaron Rodgers in the AFC West, Mahomes and A-Rod twice a year, Mahomes and Justin Herbert twice a year, and Mahomes and you know whatever the Raiders will keep. If they don't get him twice a year, I'm in. I love this conversation about this division. I, bring, I think it brings a ton of life to this division even more so than they already had with Mahomes and company. So my answer is, I don't care because we're going to win. I'd l- I mean, there's part of me that doesn't want Gruden to get him, but there's also a part of me that, because that, Gruden doesn't draft quarterbacks, he just likes veterans, and if this dude just, if this falls in his lap with Mayock, it'll almost be too lucky, but uh, there's probably nothing better than Aaron Rodgers in Vegas. A new NFL market, a silver and black it just it he would have he would be wearing two of the most iconic helmets in the history of the league and so not that the broncos listen john elway moves out of the personnel business spent a year giving drew lock all these weapons and they're still not sure so they have to go get teddy b so it would save denver but i'm going to collectively speak for cleveland brown fans screw elway we don't want to give rogers to him even though i like john just remember, uh, Raiders. It's not a lie if you believe it. All right. So, what was your reaction to the first Urban Meyer draft in Jacksonville? Was it good? Was it meh? Or was it bad? Well, to me, it's got to be good. You get Trevor Lawrence. Like that. That answers a whole bunch of you know, you know, questions that they had. I think that obviously gets them headed in, in the right direction. But I, I'll label it as good because there's a guy that a lot of people were excited about that Urban scooped up. And the safety from Syracuse and Andre Sisco. Guy missed last year after tearing his ACL. Yeah. And a lot of people believe that if he didn't have that injury, he could have been a first-round pick at the safety position, which was a big need for Jacksonville. So I think he has a chance to get a sneaky, nice little pick there later where they selected him there with the 65th overall pick. So remember the name Andre Sisco, but to me, when you get Trevor Lawrence, man, and you get your franchise on the right, uh, right railroad tracks there, man, you're in good shape. So I'll go with good. Yeah, I mean, listen, this was a B out of the gate he couldn't do any less than a b getting trevor lawrence but i i said it to you last week this is a weird draft for me with urban meyer not because of lawrence he got the guy he needed to get but it's you drafting to beat nfl teams or like good college teams like I, i he drafted they drafted three guys in a row who played two games this year and and Andre Sisco, the guy you just mentioned, seven months removed from a torn ACL. Now, hopefully he'll come. Walker Little played one game in the past two years combined. Now, if he hits on these dudes and they're healthy and they're ready to start training camp and they all turn out to be great value picks, that's fine. ETN, if he can be a game breaker, they they just I just didn't think that was the way to go. But 
Here we may. Here they are. They over. I thought they overdrafted Walker Little. Like the truth. Number forty-five. It's overrated. Yeah. All right. So yesterday was National Lemonade Day. So which do you prefer on a hot summer day, lemonade or sweet tea? Maddie likes to go into places where sweet tea is being served, and then that person leaves the room and says something like, "I gotta go check on my laundry." Help yourself to the sweet tea. That's so. I'm going to answer the question for him. You're probably going sweet tea when you show up. No, you couldn't be more wrong, my friend. <laughs> you couldn't be more wrong. I'm a lemonade guy through and through. Oh. Give me lemonade all day long. I don't care if it's yellow lemonade. I don't care if it's pink lemonade. I don't care if it's berry lemonade. You can't miss with lemonade. Get sweet tea out of here because here's my beef with sweet tea. You have some people's sweet tea, AR. It ain't sweet enough. Give me a little sugar in that. So give me lemonade all day long. I'm kidding you. I'm kidding you. And the people that know what I'm kidding, they know. Like, that's the beautiful thing about what I did there. By the way. When, when did you have to be born to get that reference? Not that long ago. Okay. In fact, I'm proud of you that you didn't get the reference. And the people that did get the reference will understand why I'm proud of you that you didn't get the reference. All How's right. that? All right. You know you do it. Everybody does it. I just did it, and I'm ready to do it again. All right. By the way, combine those. It's Arnie all day. That lemonade and iced tea, I don't want them separate. I do. Pour them together. Half and half. 50-50 lemon lime. We got Jeff Risden on uh, NFL Draft at Real GM next. Final grades. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Sports conversation and sometimes pure stupidity. It's awesome, funny, random. Your home of the Buckeyes, the fan, Ohio's sports destination. The hardest working show in the business, or at least at this station in their time slot. This is Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back in, Rothman and Ice. We go right to the Brian Heating and Cooling Systems fan guest hotline. And we got our guy, Jeff Risden, at The Real GM. Good to have you, Jeff. My pleasure to be back with you guys. Thanks for having me. We talked about this dude from Auburn, Anthony Schwartz, today. And this is a track kid. Um, he's not tiny. I think he's six feet or maybe a little above that. Um, what are the brownies getting this kid? Is he a true lid lifting guy? Do you look at him as a boom or a bust? Uh, how do you judge this pick of Anthony Schwartz? Yeah, he, he is definitely a track guy. This is a guy who set not just the, the, the his, his age group, he set the world record for the 100 <laughs> in his age group when he was in high school. Uh, faster than Usain Bolt did when he was 15 years old. Think about that for a second. Wow. A <laughs> uh, world record holder in, in, in speed. Uh, and he showed at Auburn that he he's not just a track guy who can run out, get out there, you know, put, you put him outside and you have him run nine routes all day. He's a little more nuanced than that. Is he a lot more nuanced than that? No, he's not. That's why he was a third-round <laughs> pick. But there, there's some talent there. There's there some actual football playing ability there. This is not just some some guy who ran off the track team and onto the football field, and you know they're using him as a decoy to run deep. He has some football ability. Uh, he needs to learn to track the football a little bit better. He's not a very good blocker, though he tries. Uh, but yeah, he, he's a he's a dynamic option who's going to he's going to get his sh- his, his chances to play in Cleveland and uh, take that role um, of the lid lifter, like you said. You know, be a guy who can you know create a lot of more room, pull those safeties out of the middle of the field to allow the tight ends to create and uh, set up play action and, and, you know, little dump passes to Kareem Hunt and things like that. 
all those get easier with Anthony Schwartz on the field. You know, Jeff, the Brownies did slide down to Columbus and scoop up a Buckeye there in the fourth round and Tommy Togiai. How do you see him fitting in? There's been a lot of, you know, new faces coming into that defensive line room this offseason. Another one now and a rookie in Tommy Togiai. His role and how you see that unfolding for the Brownies this upcoming season. Yeah, that's an area where they are going to look very different than they did a year ago. Uh, with, with Joby gone, with Sheldon Richardson gone, uh, and, and Togia is going to get a chance to prove where he fits on that line. Uh, personally, I, watching him at Ohio State, I wasn't sure if he was going to be better at playing more inside or, uh, or kicking outside a little bit more and, and playing the upfield rush tackle. Uh, and I, I still don't know where it goes because he's a, he's a bit of a misfit in that. And, again, that's why he's in the fourth round and not up higher because he does have some game film that says, wow, this guy can really play. So uh, where they're mixing and matching all those guys on the inside, um, and, and they might not be done yet there either. This, this is still a team that could sign a, a another veteran to get in there, believe it or not. But uh, with guys like Malik Jackson around and everything like that, they've got chances to, to groom him. Um, where Andrew Billings fits, how he plays, you know, is, is he going to be the nose tackle? Is he going to be an upfield tackle? Uh, there, there's a lot to sort out on the end. That's going to be one of the big things to watch in training camp this summer when they all get together is how that defensive line comes together because uh, they're, the ends are good. We're good there. Uh, inside, big question mark still. Uh, was there anything more predictable outside of Trevor Lawrence going number one than Kyle Pitts going number four? And is he going to be the true unicorn that everyone expects? You know, I hope so. Uh, I really enjoyed watching his game film. Uh, I remember watching the, I watched their game live against Kentucky last year. I was actually on a, a treadmill at the gym when I was watching, and he made a couple of great plays. And I, I let it out. You know, I'm like, oh, wow. And people around me were looking like, did you set a PR on your, your treadmill or something? He, he's that exciting. He's, he's a captivating player. Uh, and he's going to an offense. They, they, they kept Matt Ryan. There, there's a lot of things to like about it. You know, that, that, that's, I hope it works for him. Uh, I'm not sure how much they're going to be able to stop people in Atlanta, so they're probably going to have to be throwing to him a lot, and that, that factors into it too. He's a guy that I would definitely have as uh, a front runner for Offensive Rookie of the Year. You know, Jeff, I know you do some things with the Lions as well, and you know they, they end up getting Panesua as the Bengals pass and go Jamar Chase, and there's a hilarious video of the Lions GM, and you know how after he gets off the phone, Panesua, you would have thought he won a billion dollars. That's how excited he was, but how is that going to affect former Buckeye Taylor Decker? What are their plans with the booking tackles now that they got Panesua in the building, and Taylor Decker's been around for a little bit? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, Decker has become a very good left tackle. He's not an elite left tackle, but he's he's in that next tier down um, in, in the, the 5 to 10 overall range. Really, really good player. Um, he was a guy that when he came out of Ohio State, and, and it was true when he was with the Buckeyes, and it was certainly true uh, for his early years in Detroit, he was really, really good, but he'd always have like two or three plays a game where you wonder like, dude, have you ever played football before? Uh, and, and he's kind of gotten away from that and has become a real solid presence. He's also a, a big-time locker room leader. Uh, this is a guy who's he's entrenched as the left tackle. So they are going to move Sewell to the right side. He's been working out there this offseason. He had a pretty good inkling that the Lions were going to draft him uh, for it being a new, a, a new regime. You know, we got a new GM, new, uh, <laughs> new, defense, new defensive coordinator, new, new head coach uh, up here in, 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 in Detroit. It's, uh, it was a fairly predictable pick um it's a very exciting pick for them i'm not sure that it's going to help them win more games in 2021 but uh they're at the state right now where i don't think that's necessarily important they're, they're trying to rebuild something um from scratch almost and he's a good starting point with that jeff risden with us nfl draft at real gm as we talk about these picks and 
You know, maybe we could hit you up with just, you know, when things started to fall, I think it was fairly predictable, you know, with Lawrence and Wilson. And then and we didn't know where San Francisco was going to go, but they take Trey Lance and then Pitts, as I said. And then it was always either going to be Chase or Sewell. And then the weapons start coming off the board. But the, the ones that were interesting to me is that Carolina and Denver both decided to let Justin Fields pass them by. Uh, did you agree with that strategy? Uh, I do for Carolina. I, I understand where they're at as a team, so I buy it. Uh, and they just got Sam Darnold. They want to see what they've got with him. Um, I don't necessarily think it's going to work for them, but I, I get why they did it. Denver, I don't know why you you keep Drew Locke uh, and, and don't take Justin Fields, um, at least as an insurance policy. I, now there, there was all the talk about them possibly trading for Aaron Rodgers, and who knows what's going on with that soap opera. I'm, I'm not even going to come near that but uh, uh unless they're getting aaron Rodgers in a trade they probably made a mistake by passing on justin fields and, and letting chicago trade way up to get him and i like that i like that move a lot for the bears uh that, that, that they they needed to do something aggressive to address their quarterback situation uh, i do feel a little bit of empathy for andy dalton you know he thought he was finally going to get another shot with a, with another team there and they're not a bad roster. They have some ability to win some games. This was a playoff team last year, and Andy stepped into that, and now, uh, now it looks like he's getting pushed to the side. So I feel for him on that. But uh, if you're a Bears fan, you have to be ecstatic that they, they finally went all in and are going for it with Justin Fields, who was the number two player overall on my board, and I, I really like his chances of succeeding in the NFL. Wanted to ask you one quick Packer question because, you know, so much noise around Rodgers and where he is right now with the relationship with the team. But did, did you like their one of their or their round three pick in Amari Rodgers, the wide receiver from Clemson? Because we know what Devontae Adams brings to the table. But what are your thoughts on maybe how Amari Rodgers can fit in and possibly help out Rodgers if he's still around? Yeah, he's a good fit for what they want to do with the middle of the field. You know, he's a guy that can, can run the, the little scrape routes and, and combo routes on the inside of a trips package and things like that. And he's tough. Uh, he's physical. He can make himself bigger than he, than he is, you know, in terms of his catch radius. I do like it. I, I think it's a smart pick for them. Again, how, how long will Rodgers and Rodgers play together? That, and I don't think anybody knows the question, the answer to that question now, including Rodgers or the Packers themselves at this point. Uh, we'll give you the final thought here with Jeff Risden on the Brownies. And, you know, the fact that we've, Newsom was a great pick. We've already talked about Coromoa. Uh, we mentioned about Anthony Schwartz and Maddie mentioned Tommy Togiai. Anybody else that they picked up in their picks that actually could uh, find their way onto this roster? It, Tony Fields is going to play a lot on special teams. They, they got a lot mm-hmm. of openings. Remember that Tay Davis is gone, Tavier Thomas is gone. There's a big role for that, and it wouldn't shock me if Felton wins the return job. I think that's the only way he makes the team, quite honestly, because he's not didn't impress me a lot as a receiver or a runner. Uh, but but in terms of a re- return guy, that's an opening, and he can fill that opening. So the rest of that draft was all about special teams, and and they're, they're taking an attention to it. Uh, again, Fields, Felton, they probably don't ever play like on offense or defense, but uh, special teams that that's the key and the fact that they're in a position where they can draft guys to just play special teams in the fifth round that tells you how good that browns roster is right now jeff great job man talking with jeff risden nfl draft for at real gm managing editor for at the browns wire follow him there on twitter thanks jeff be well my my pleasure guys anytime jr was on the bryant heating and cooling systems fan guest hotline we'll come back with an nfl two-minute drill you'll hear from justin fields on when he feels like he will be ready to get on the field. And, of course, there's one team who picked a quarterback who believes he was the smartest quarterback in the draft and the most ready-to-play right away. 
We'll tell you who that team is and the player next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. If you're looking for the radio home of the crew, you've come to the right place. Because if we weren't, this promo would be very stupid. Proud to be your crew station, the fan. It's time for the NFL two-minute drill. Sponsored by Dr. Mark Levy. Stop snoring and start sleeping now. Visit sleepbettercolumbus.com today. All right, NFL two-minute drill time. Justin Fields, all the pressure now, going to Chi-Town, Monster Market, Monsters of the Midway. But, you know, he's probably going to be better than most of the dudes they've ever had. So they've got something there. But will he start right away? Here he is on that. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, that's 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 not up to me. That's up to, you know, coach. And uh, my, my, my job is simply to, you know, uh, perform the best I can perform and, you know, uh, uh, be the best quarterback I can be. So um, I think that's a question for Coach Coach Nagy. And guess how Matt Nagy answered it? The same way Justin Fields answered it. When the time is right. When the time is right. And I, I think it is the right answer. I mean, you know, I I think that Justin Fields is going to go in there, certainly with the weight of the world, trying to save a franchise again at the quarterback position. And they better put enough around him. They better be very careful with this one. Because this is the one you don't want to ruin. And hopefully... That's Cincinnati. Yeah. That's Cincinnati what that was like with Joe Burrows riding into that tunnel on a cart. Mm. I'm with you all day on that, man. Look, I think a lot of eyeballs are going to be on Matt Nagy. Like, this is Mm -hmm. the guy, right? You know, know, we had a guy on earlier, and he talked about his relationship with Andy Reid and coming from that tree, and he's a good offensive mind and all that. I think we've seen a small, a very small sliver of that from Matt Nagy, but I think he's got a more talented guy now than he does in Mitch Trubisky. So... A lot of confidence in what that defense can be for a lot of people, I think. But now the focus is what Maggie, Matt Nagy can do to make Justin Fields comfortable and probably save his job because there's a big narrative around that right now. And look, if Justin Fields just going to the situation, your, call, your coach offers up all the advice you need on his play sheet. Just be you, baby. Just be you, AR. Yeah. That's all he's asking. Just be you. And I think he's got a dude in there in Dalton. Whatever he can give, he can give him experience. Like That's a lot of years in the league and what he sees. And while we all... What's that? Let me ask you this. Which backup quarterback would you rather have? Foles or Dalton? (laughs) They got to get rid of one of those guys, right? Like, they're the same dude to me. Yeah, probably so. Probably so. I know. It's weird. You're going to keep Andy? I like Andy. He's a nice guy. I always liked him. So let's keep Andy. Yeah, I just think... I mean, you could make the case that Foles might be a little better, but... I also, but not much. And you could right. also make the case that Andy's just been around longer and seen everything. And hey, but Nick's like, hey, I beat Tommy. I got a right. Super, oh, no, he's Super Bowl MVP. Oh, okay, right. Let me ask you if you buy into this. Yeah, you know, everyone's talking about Aaron Rodgers, and they don't draft me a receiver. Now there's a story out there that says that the reason he wants out of Green Bay is not because they didn't draft him a weapon, but that they cut Jake Kumaro. So in September, the Packers cut this wide, almost 30-year-old wide receiver. The day after, Rodgers went public and said, is a lock to make the roster. So it almost, I think, made him feel and sound stupid in his own mind. According to Ian Rapport of NFL.com, Rodgers wanted to be more involved in personnel decisions. And it does seem like the one thing that drove him nuts was when the organization released Jake Kumro just a day after he praised him publicly. Described a little bit of a death knell in the relationship. Is Jake Kumaro the straw that broke Lambeau's back, Matty Ice? Yeah, maybe. Look, look. 
I think when you got a guy like that, who your quarterback likes, maybe just have a conversation with them. Maybe you don't have to go all in with what Rodgers wants to do, but hey, it could be a look. Aaron, we got some, you know, some depth chart situations here. We might have to let Jake go. I think maybe that's kind of all he's looking for. Maybe, hey, on draft night, when I'm sitting down drinking bourbon and having a good time watching the draft, maybe you don't blindside me with a quarterback pick. How about you pick up the phone and say, hey, I think this is going to work out for us well as an organization. I think part of this as well is there's no communication. I think that's the issue. Part of it, too, is can you guys at least communicate with me what you want to do? Uh, you know, we don't have to see eye to eye on everything, but if you give me a heads up and I'm not blindsided, I think that's a little bit easier to handle. So maybe that's where some of the frustration has come as well. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how those things work because I said the same thing about Jordy Nelson and I said the same thing when Jimmy Graham was shipped out of the Saints. Did they ask Drew Brees about that? No. Like, it's weird to me. I agree with you. Uh, by the way, the Bills exercised quarterback Josh Allen's fifth-year team option for 2022. Okay. Uh, that was a pretty good leap that he's made yeah, uh, in MVP contending status. And that's about the story. It's a no-brainer if you're Buffalo. Yeah. Now we're just in, you know, you're in the same territory as Cleveland is, as Baltimore is, and when and if you work on an extension and how much is that extension and all that stuff. So I think we'll hear similar conversations from all three you know clubs throughout the summer and which guy strikes the deal first is going to be interesting, right? Because I have to imagine of all these three, you don't want to be first. You want to be the third guy to probably get the most money because that seems to be the case when it comes to quarterbacking uh, situations. But no doubt, Josh Allen was lights out last year playing in a title game and going up against Mahomes and losing to them is never a negative. They just got to figure a way to get over that hump, man. Maddie, first day back in the studio for me, and I have my toys. I have my toys. Are you ready? I'm ready. And I am looking at a half-empty bottle of Cavassier, which means that we are just about out of time. Let's go. I've been wanting to play my movie clips for 13 months. Oh my like goodness. Kid in a candy late? store. He's is back. it too late to request a where to weed at? Is it too late to request to end that? the show is, or for can tomorrow? Can I just get a little bit you of want that one? where do, to weed do at? Do you want it? You really want it? I do. Where to weed at? Mm. Boy, that was fun. Mm. That was fun. Just pressing <laughs> buttons all day. All right. Good to be back. We will be back again tomorrow at high noon. Rothman and Ice on the fan. <laughs>